welcome to the Feedback Force podcast, the game design analysis podcast of the Endfender community. Hello, I'm Kelso. And I'm Kyla. And I'm Karg. Uh, and it's been three it's weeks. Been, it's been a god dang lifetime since we last recorded. <laughs> it's been uh, so this long. Was true, this was true a week ago already. Yeah. It's but. been so long that I, I finally made that pie that I was talking about in the last episode. <laughs> Nice. That's uh, how you know. But no, yeah. like I, I feel like it's been three months since we last podcasted. I, it's hard for me to believe that, like, I have I had a game come out less than three weeks ago. That seems impossible. Kyla is now seven hundred years old. <laughs> it's true. That has happened. <laughs> Holding up remarkably well, all things considered. Yeah, looking not bad for my age. Yeah. Oh. Uh. Yeah. We played Kyla's game. Yeah, that's Hooray. okay. Yeah, so I've spent the last three weeks just, like, obsessively refreshing the, like, who is streaming Wintermore page on Twitch. Nice. And, uh, and who is, uh, like, you know, what, what Steam reviews have we been left? What's our Metacritic score? Like, who's, who's released an article about us recently? Nice. How, just been... how has that all been? It's Good. been not bad. I mean, people seem to like the game. It's been pretty well received so far. Um, the the like worst we get is like people on uh, on the Steam reviews saying like, you know, I was this is not a very difficult tactics game, and I was looking for like a hardcore tactics experience, so this wasn't for me. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's that like, was great. Yeah. When I looked, like, a couple days after it came out, I think that was the only negative review. It was, like, not a tactics game. <laughs> yeah. Like, Get out of here. I mean, yeah, I guess... I, you know, I that's, mean, that's yeah. valid. Like, we are, we are like, self-proclaimed, you know, and, like, a, an intro-level tactics game. Like, we, we wanted to make it so it could be somebody's first tactics game or a game that people who like story games play when they're, like, not... Um, you know, if they if they normally are are into heavily narrative games and they're not used to tactics, they could do well. Yeah. So, you know, I think it accomplishes that goal. So I'm not mad about it. Um, now I'm looking at your reviews. <laughs> oh dear, yeah. Um, I, I they're mostly pretty good. I've yeah, and a lot are. of people a lot of people like specifically call out the writing, and I'm like, yay. So, I am. Um, I I just put my review up like a few minutes ago because I forgot to do it before. <laughs> and, and my review is there's an in-game calendar that gives you a new cat pun every day, 10 out of 10. Nice. Yep, I this is true. I could have written a more thoughtful review, but... Yeah, and and uh, Elite Strats, if you're playing on the Steam version, there's a, an achievement for getting every single cat joke from the cat oh, calendar. Dang, is there? I don't think I got... I must have missed a day then. Did you get? Um, did you check it during the epilogue? Because you also have to check it during the epilogue. Shit! <laughs> <laughs> you can reload your save right? i guess i can that's true yeah. i'm not gonna do that right now but that's, <laughs> that's good to know yep <laughs> yeah these all these strats and more on today's episode of feedback force yeah so yes we're gonna spoil the heck out of this game uh if you haven't played wintermore tactics club goddamn go buy it yeah what are you idiot. doing it's my game <laughs> Buy two. Me money. 
buy two copies. Give yeah, them to someone. I'm gonna buy it again when it, whenever the uh, Switch Switch version comes. Yeah, to no, I I, th- I hope we'll do well on Switch. It's a it's a very cozy game, so I feel like Twitch has a good like our audience for cozy games. Um, yeah. But I feel the, like uh, I, I probably would have gotten through it faster if if it had come out on Switch because like now that I'm working from home. I have an aversion to sitting at my desk, uh, just mm-hmm. like for playing games and stuff. Yep, that's and fair. And I've been playing a lot more uh, Animal Crossing. Although consider, if you had, uh, if you had played it on Switch, you would have had to draw a horse with the controller. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, there's trade-offs. And uh, I, I am proud of my horse. So. Oh yeah, no, the, the Feedback Force Twitter account totally has to tweet your picture of a horse. Yeah, and I'll also you should that. at Wintermore TC when you do, because uh, we have been collecting a thread of people's horse art from the game. Um, it, it, we call it our fridge. So we've, we've been <laughs> posting people's art on the fridge. I'm just going to go ahead and do that right now. I'm live tweeting the podcast. Yes. I'm proud of my horse. Your horse is great. Your horse has a can of beans on it, and you should also... Uh, tweet that horse. Also, your horse has toes, which horses don't have. <laughs> but uh, you should still totally tweet it. It's a fan. So, I'm, I'm not sure that's the only problem with my horse. It is. It's the only problem with the horse is its toes. Everything else about it is perfect. You should see. You should see some of the stuff we have in that thread there. So it, is, it it's ranges from like people who tried really hard and made really cool stuff to like inexplicable shapes that like be like yeah that's a horse that makes sense to me i'm looking i'm looking at some of these horses and they're pretty great <laughs> yep um there's one where a guy uh drew like a, a shining horse on top of a hill and he's like no it's too majestic i need to emphasize that this is a real horse so on one side he wrote normal horse and on the other side he wrote <laughs> not, not god, god. <laughs> uh. I think that was jazz elves um yeah no it's there's been some like that is my favorite thing to watch about wintermore streams is to just watch like skip to the moment where they discover that they have to draw a horse yeah and like watch their reactions the amount of time the horse comes up in view <laughs> I, we don't let you great. live it down either yeah yeah every time i get reminded of my stupid bean horse <laughs> You mean your your powerful majestic bean horse? Yep. Yeah. No, we and you know so I was having this conversation with Thano on Twitter um, about about both the, like this poster and the um, there's a second poster that the poster you actually have to draw, which is the Spirit Week poster, um, and about how like you know we talked about the fact that. Well, we're not going to be able to stop people from drawing dicks if they want to, right? Like, there's right. it's a single-player game. We're, we're literally not checking anything about what you put on that canvas. We're, we're just letting you draw whatever you want. So, like, what are we, you know, like, how do we deal with that? And I was like, well, you know, we want it to feel like it, it matters what you do in this game. And so the the thing we do is we try and have, like, narrative consequences for as many decisions as possible. So we're like, well, let's give it narrative consequences 
So, you know, like your your poster is used in multiple places. So if it's if the if you do something funny and it's still funny to you later, then like that's great. You you did a funny joke that's amused yourself and good for you. If you like draw something and you feel sheepish about it later, then like at least that's a reminder that the game like wants you to engage with it earnestly. Um, that's, a good, that's a good strategy to take. Which, you know, it's a little bit of a punishment when you're in, like, a very emotional, climactic battle and the character says, like, don't you remember horses? Here's this picture I drew. And it's a picture of a dick. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so you did that to yourself. Now I'm glad I, I uh, put so much effort into my horse. <laughs> yeah. I did not put as much effort into the school spirit poster. I think I just drew, like, a flower. I was like, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, Whatever. I think... I think I just put like two stickers on. <laughs> That's fair. I I wrote uh I usually write uh more like winner more and put a star on it. <laughs> nice. And then leave it. Sometimes I draw the the school raven. Um we we did have a couple drawings of the school raven. Some some guy, some some poor streamer. Um god, was that that was um god, the guy with the radiation symbol. Uh, for his streamer name, I forget it right now, oh gosh, and I, I feel I bad. Streamers to know. Um, I, I do now. Um, <laughs> but he he uh, he spent so much time just like coloring in the raven, like he he made an outline and he's like, no, I have to do a good job. And he sat there with the like gray marker and like colored in all the little parts. It was very sweet. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Joey Hazard. That's the streamer's name. Okay. Joey Hazard. Cool. Has uh, yeah, has there been like a, a pretty big um, number of people streaming this on Twitch? Because I know visual novels are kind of they can be tough to stream, especially yeah. if you're if you're like reading slash attempting to voice act. Yeah, I mean, for the first week or so, we had like one to two streams going pretty constantly and there was like a you know there was a night shift because then the like european streamers would come yeah. on um now i'd say you know we get like one streamer every two or three days something like that um which is still kind of a lot i feel like considering our genre and the fact that we're a tiny indie game yeah and considering the fact that a lot of twitch is just i gotta play the newest thing right now and yeah, still I think people playing it, so that's cool. Yeah, I think as we're rec as we're recording this, um, there's the the official like GOG stream is playing us on Twitch right now. I think. Nice. Um, what are they? GOGcom. GOGcom. Uh, yeah, they're still playing. So you know that's cool, uh, and we got of course I. Uh, we got um, Sean Plot to stream because <laughs> I texted him like, oh, my God, my game's out. And he's like, let me know when you want me to stream it. <laughs> so it was very sweet of him. Um, Northern cool. Northern Lion did a video on us because he saw us at six. So that was cool. Nice. Nice. And well, we had uh, yeah. we, we reached out. There were a couple streamers that like we reached out to ahead of time, um, one of whom cosplayed as Baphomet. I saw the, the I saw um I saw the tweet of her cosplay, yeah, which I thought was like pretty solid cosplay. Yeah, yeah that was an impressive cosplay for sure. Um, 
yeah so you know it's been it's it's like a thing i do when i like sit down to lunch i'm on like my lunch break from work and i'm like let me see if anybody's streaming wintermore i'll just watch somebody play wintermore so i've seen like i've only seen like three or four people play the end game parts but i've seen a ton of people play the beginning of the game do you um do you like jump in the chat the big dick devin chat sometimes work so I usually I I, tr I do it if I ha I feel like I have something to say, um, and often that's because like I'm watching it and the load times are getting long and I'm going like please don't crash please don't crash please don't crash and I I pop into the chat and say like hey I notice like your load times are getting long you might want to like save and quit and restart the game. That's oh, that's so helpful. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's it's like an embarrassing thing to have to step into. Uh, yeah. to a chat and say, by the way, if you're listening to this, that should be fixed. We patched that. So that should no longer be a thing. But, you know, we did launch with a, with a memory leak. And it, like, it, sh it doesn't affect most players because it really, like, it, it only happens about if you've been, like, have it open and playing for, like, four hours straight. Because um, it's a memory leak that has to do with, like, loading certain areas of the game, uh, like, at least 40 or 50 times. Uh, but it was a thing and we did, we did find it and fix it. So hopefully it's not a thing anymore. Cool. Well, sounds like a successful launch. Yeah. It's, I, I feel a little bad. Like our, our, uh, you know, one programmer slash director on the game, uh, like the rest of us are kind of like, phew, we did it. We're done. And like, he's still working <laughs> desperately, like putting out patches. And uh, and our producer is still like, you know, working all the social media angles and stuff like that. So, but like me and Mike are like, hmm, that was fun. Let's just sit back and watch how it's doing. Watch Time people wash draw horses. This. Yeah, watch people draw horses. Yeah. Nice. Well, I guess we should do uh, what we our do. standard. Yeah, our standard recap. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, I did it like, not, you know, not that I'm not going to make this this episode all about me, but, but did y'all have anything interesting or fun to report for the past few weeks? No, like <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Besides Kelso's pie, which sounds yeah. delicious. Yeah, no, the pie was pretty good. I made the pie last weekend. It's gone now, but it was a pretty good pie. So, Carl, anything mm, to add? I caught a boar. Which what? Was, yeah, we, like at my parents, there's like a boar problem. Whoa. See, we got traps set up. Oh, well, you use traps and not like a spear. No. <laughs> aren't, aren't boars really dangerous? Yeah. No. No? Okay. I've always well, I've like, heard of boars being like very territorial and will charge you. Boars are very like shy, and also they're like active during night. I guess that makes sense. So, so what did you do with it once you'd caught it? Um, we uh, like uh, shot it and sent it to a butcher. Oh, well, that's that's, that's good. At least it got eaten. Yeah. Nice. All right, that that's an adventure. <laughs> Holy cow! Did you do like a whole a whole like spit roast the hog, turn it over the fire? No. 
did you oh, did you get okay. did you actually get to keep the meat from it or did you is it like you just like donated it to a butcher to sell to whomever so the the meat goes to like the hunter mm -hmm. pretty much who shoots it oh, and okay. uh, but like that's a guy like my parents and me know so we got a like some meat from it Nice. I well, I was gonna say I have never had boar meat, but that should not surprise anyone. I am a vegetarian. Um, uh, it tastes of, very uh, much like pork. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of a lot of people in the area where I grew up used to do deer hunting and have a lot of venison, um, but I also yeah. never had that, so the taste comparison wouldn't be meaningless to me. So. <laughs> uh, all right. All right, let's talk about Wintermore. Uh, so Wintermore Tactics Club is uh, is a game by EVC, which is me and a handful of friends, um, published by Versus Evil, our very kind publishers, um, did a lot of stuff for us and like paid for our marketing and all kinds of things. Um, it is a tactical RPG with some visual novel elements. We say it has visual novel elements. It, it kind of doesn't. It kind of has like standard RPG elements where you're like walking around an overworld and, and chatting with characters. But we say it has visual novel elements because I feel like that properly sets the expectation with people for how much text is in the game. Because yeah. like all of the side quests are just go talk to people pretty much. Yeah. Um, it is it is about a young black girl in a 1980s boarding school on the East Coast, um, 1981. Uh, and she belongs to a tabletop role-playing game club called the Tactics Club, where they play Curses and Catacombs. Uh, and they're just, like, nerding out, being friends. Uh, and then one day, the principal announces there's gonna be a snowball tournament, and all clubs have to fight each other. And if you lose... Or if you refuse to participate, you're disbanded forever and you don't get to do your hobby anymore. Um, and you don't get to hang out with your friends. So they have to do the thing. And they have to use their tactical knowledge from their tabletop game to win the tournament. Uh, which they sort of do. As I said before, spoilers, we're going to talk about like the mystery behind the game. And it, it is kind of a little bit of a mystery story. Um, there are things that unfold, so if you want to not be spoiled, go buy and play the game now, and then come back and listen to this later, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, so shall we do chapter by chapter? Um, yeah, that works. As long as you're prepared to, like, give a short <laughs> explanation what happens in each chapter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh... <laughs> So, okay, chapter one is basically tutorial, sets up the stakes, you like, you wake up, you, uh, you have a let's establish the character sequence in the, in your room. I guess the whole thing is like, has a framing narrative where like, someone is like, back in the day, there was a war between all the clubs, and I was there. And we put up some of our, some of the names of our favorite clubs that didn't actually like get to appear in the game. Um, yeah. which, of, of which, like, my, my favorite ones that I'm sorry we didn't get to actually implement are uh, Bodybuilders Anonymous, 
and uh, the League of Extraordinary Temperance. I think my favorite was um, the, the Reckless Baking Club. <laughs> Reckless baking yeah, that was my favorite that we didn't get to see. <laughs> that one, that one is like the surprising dark horse. Like we sort of threw that one in at the end, and like everybody points out the reckless baking club. Yeah, I'm not sure what quite what it is about them that people like so much, but they're it. Because it's funny to imagine a reckless baker. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess there's a lot of people have asked the question, like, what does it mean to be a reckless baker? Is it that you like? don't measure any of your ingredients or is it that you're like not using oven mitts to pull things out of ovens or like what yeah i think i think that's probably why it's so popular because really reckless baking can be like whatever you envision it to be <laughs> whatever you imagine it to be um, yeah. there's also there's also the the future veterans of foreign wars yeah which <laughs> Which, like, it also raises a lot of questions. Um, Satire. Yeah, and, and a bunch of others. Um, but yeah, no, we were, originally we were thinking of doing that as like an ad campaign thing where we would like release a profile of each of these clubs, um, you know, like one per week as we let up. We ended up not having time, but... Um, the uh, I was gonna I was I was trying to come up with like the League of Extraordinary Extraordinary Temperance and like what they actually stood for. I was thinking of going for like they're against the drinking of liquids. Like they feel that you should get all of your daily liquids from like juicy fruit or or like stews. Um, but you should not you should just not drink liquids. That is extraordinary. Yep. Yeah, I was I was wondering about that as well because it's like, well, these are all high schoolers. Like, what are they going to be drinking anyway? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all liquids. That makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yep. Um. Or okay, yeah. So so you yeah. So you wake up in your room. There's a sequence where you like inspect things in Alicia's room to like get to know her better. Um, most of which are like jokes based on. Uh, or a handful of which are jokes based on either myself or my co-writer Mike. Um, like, there's a joke about the like fantasy genre subgenre uh, young female protagonists who don't do what they're told, which was like my entire bookshelf as a high schooler. I saw that. I saw that bit of text, and I was like, "There's Kyla." <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And uh, there's one about like a fanzine of coffee shop AUs. Yep, that one uh, that I threw in there. Um, the one about like the subtext of dragon werewolves is actually based on a, a, a film treatment that Mike wrote um, for a for a film contest when we were at school. Uh, he wrote a thing about like a a dragon detective that ends up being a werewolf. Was that actually for a um, holiday spirit? Theme. No, it, it was not. It was for a it was for a movie pitch contest that was going on. We had some uh, some I forget why if like one of them was an alum or what it was, but um, we had some some executives from Legendary Pictures came to campus and did like a like a movie pitch contest, um, and I actually mm -hmm. ended up in the finals, so I actually got to do an, a real pitch. But Mike wrote this one. He wrote two of them, and this was like kind of his joke entry. <laughs> Um, and it did not get selected for the finals, unfortunately, but it was yeah. pretty great. I believe That's it was funny. called Fireblood. That's funny because there was, um, I think it was, I think Max Landis directed it. There was this like Netflix exclusive movie 
called Bright about an orc. Oh, yeah, or I heard, I've heard that was really bad. Yeah, so have I. Which is unfortunate because Max Landis is like an interesting dude, but I don't think anything he's made has really been that good. <laughs> no. Well, but, well, that's, what can you do? Yeah, that's right. That was like Will Smith is like a, the human partner of an orc cop, yeah. and it's all like a really ham fisted racism metaphor. Yeah, Mike um, was just a few years too early to get. Um, dragon dragon werewolf cop movie as a, a netflix exclusive <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> um yeah what was what was the one i pitched for that oh i pitched my like goat riders of the apocalypse movie for that one nice. um anyway <laughs> that is not this game um right so you yeah you learn about alicia you go to the club room um where you're you're looking for your club members, but none of them are there. Uh, you play the tutorial. Um, the basic it's it's basically a, a fairly standard turn-based strategy type thing where like all your characters go and then all the enemy characters go. Uh, we tried to make it kind of more like into the breach where um, like the the numbers are very small, so it's in like you know you do two damage or three damage instead of like two hundred damage. Uh, and also we made it so that there's no randomness. You can see ahead of time, like exactly who each enemy is going to attack, like what their actions are going to be. Um, and there's no like percentage hits or anything like that. So it, it ends up being a little bit more puzzly than specifically strategic, but I think that's like a good entry point into the, the strategy genre for people who aren't used to it. Yeah, it would have been real frustrating to have the XCOM percentages. 99% hit chance and you miss. Yep. But yeah. Yeah, what's uh, what is your what for the two of you like what was your like previous experience with the tactics genre? Are you guys fans or very little. I've played like a little bit of uh like a couple of the um Shin Megami Tensei games uh, on the DS, which I shouldn't have done because those are uh, hard. <laughs> those games are real hard. I, I did not realize that those were tactics games. I thought they were just like general JRPGs. The Persona games. Persona are games are JRPGs. Oh, okay. And Persona is like a spinoff of the. I see. Yeah, I, I because they're yeah. associated with each other. I just I had just assumed they were the same genre. Yeah. It's like the Japanese Tom Clancy. <laughs> okay. Yeah, basically. <laughs> All right. How about you, Carl? Did you were you? Uh... Um, I'm generally not huge fan, but I absolutely love Advance Wars. Okay, it's kind of odd. Yeah, this was this was like a weird genre for me to make because I am also not actually normally a huge tactics person. The closest I come is that I'm a really big fan of um, tower defense games, mm. which is not exactly the same thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Also, sort of. I'm a fan of Ogre Battle because its name is Ogre Battle. Fair enough. Good reason. Um, I have played one Fire Emblem game. I played Fire Emblem Awakening, um, <clears throat> where you like you are also like genetically engineering your team by getting people together and deciding who has children. Oh yeah, I forgot that that was yeah like, has, uh, has a little bit Fire Emblem games. Yeah, a little bit of a weird eugenics element to it, but, you know, sure. Yeah. 
Um, no eugenics in Wintermore. Just no eugenics in Wintermore. Uh, that, uh, like, unless there's another club at Wintermore that we don't know about. Um, the what else have I ever have I played? I I guess I played a little bit of X. Did I even play XCOM? I did play a little bit of XCOM. Um, I don't remember why. <laughs> It's, it doesn't seem like a game I would have like normally bought in the normal course of things. Maybe it was like really on sale at one point or something. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I remembered one. I played. Um, there was uh, there was a crossover between Pokemon and Nobunaga's Ambition, which Nobunaga's <laughs> Ambition is like a, a Japanese, you know, um, romance of the three kingdoms or whatever oh uh, like, yes i did hear they, about this yeah it's um, like it's like all the famous historical figures but they're pokemon trainers right yeah yeah uh i played a little bit of that and i was like oh, i just wanted to play this for the pokemon i don't i don't, I don't care <laughs> oh <laughs> so yeah that basically i will play like 30 minutes of a tactics game and be like nah this isn't for me um yeah except and for this one I did play I did play Into the Breach because at least a little bit because our director was like, "Hey, we're making a tactics game and I want it to feel like this, so everyone should play it for reference." Uh so I played it for reference and I think I disliked it uh like I think it's a like super well-designed game and really good game, but it's it's like way too hardcore for me. It's yeah. cuz it's also a roguelike and you are like incredibly punished for mistakes, and I like don't want to sit and try and think out the next like three moves that I'm gonna do to make sure I don't make any mistakes. I just want to like move the things around and see them damage stuff because it feels cool. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and yeah, so that's the kind of like element, kinda. Yeah. Like made it not enjoyable for me. Um, and so that's kind of what we did with this game instead. We're like, what if Into the Breach, but instead of, like, punishing you, you can just, like, as long as you are, like, not doing anything egregiously stupid, you still do fine. <laughs> so it's it's Into the Breach, but not not hard, <laughs> basically, in a lot of ways. We gave, we gave the main character a chain attack. So that it can feel awesome when you group up enemies and get to hit a bunch of them at once. Oh yeah! By the end of the game, I was abusing the hell out of chaining. <laughs> yeah. What was your What was your like go to party by the end? By the way. Uh. So my go to party by the end was um Alicia with uh I don't think I gave her a specialization. I think I gave her Staff of the Outsider, which gives you extra damage if you have three or more targets, and um Faraday's Cape, which yeah, chains Let's through allies. Friend and yeah, chains through allies. And then I had um Batu, Sir Artemain with Mist Rider, which <laughs> yeah. Magimist, so you can chain through that as well. Um and then my third slot was just like situational what's gonna work best. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So I mainly use see if I remember the name. I I have no idea. Jacob? Jacob, yeah. the rogue. I'm not going to give it the full name, because I don't remember all three names. <laughs> uh, Rogues Pierre Trotsky Guevara. <laughs> yep. Um, Rogi the Rogue. And then I used Baphomet. Mm -hmm. And uh, the psychic girl. Janya, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I... I have, like, 
stacked minus armor and let Baphomet just... <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, it's funny, I've heard so many different people claim that characters are OP. Like, everybody thinks a different character is OP, which is kind of fantastic. <laughs> um, I think the our, I think our combat designer, I don't know if this is still true, but it definitely was at one point. Um, I think our combat designer said that the character capable of doing just the most damage in a single turn is actually Yin. Because I, he can summon the Snipe Sprout. Yeah, I found myself using Yin a lot in like that last couple chapters, just as sort of like, uh, here's here's a general melee character. His his uh, venom bite hits pretty hard. Yep. So, um, I I usually so. I, Obviously, I've played this game a bunch of times now. Yeah. Um, but usually when I go through it, because I'm, like, playing it to see, like, to test certain things, uh, I would be doing it with basically no upgrades, except the ones you have to get along the main storyline. Um, so I would usually go Jania for laying down Magimist, uh, and then Alicia for chaining through the, like, entire freaking battlefield. Like, my goal was just, let's just coat the battlefield in Magimist. And then chain everywhere. Yeah. Yep. Um, and the the third player, I it did vary a little bit, but I usually picked Rogi just to have a physical attacker on the on the team and to like because he's good at moving moving enemies around the board. And so if I needed to like get an enemy away for a little bit, I could do that. Um. <clears throat> so yeah. So you in the first in the first chapter, it's just you. And then after you've done the tutorial and you're going around campus looking for people, you eventually get Colin, uh, who is the club founder and leader and the, the GM, uh, who plays a, a paladin, sort of like a barbarian paladin. Uh, and um, Jacob, who plays Rogi the Rogue. And they... Uh, so the, the paladin's whole thing is that he does... Um, melee attacks that taunt so he has a lot of health and he can get uh, enemies to just like stick to him uh, and then Jacob's whole thing is that he can he has like a grappling hook and he kicks people so he can both push and pull enemies and allies in various directions um, yeah and then you get the whole like principal announces the snowball tournament uh, you run around your first opponents are the young monarchists uh, who want to bring back the monarchy. Uh, they are um, based on a club from our college. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, which is... The, the, the club in question was the Young Socialists. Um, which, like... They, I'm sure they were well-meaning enough, but they used to, like, leave pamphlets on all the lunch tables. And no one ever read them. <laughs> It was just like, what, what are, are you really think you're going to be like swaying hearts and minds with these like, these with like pamphlets. weird political pamphlets on the tables? Huh. Um, so, you know, I, lots of clubs or lots of schools have like a young Democrats or young Republicans, usually colleges, not high schools, but like, I think some private high schools as well. Um, so it's sort of a riff on them. They're, they're meant to be basically like, heels in the wrestling sense like they're just there to be kind of annoying and someone that you're really okay with beating up yeah it 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 seems like it's 
totally not a coincidence that that's the only club you don't really recruit anybody from. Yeah. Yeah. That was, we were like, okay, we, we don't want to introduce recruitment right away because we have like a bunch of other mechanics that we have to tutorialize first. So let's just make the first club somebody that you can just like hate and not, not really feel bad about not getting a member on your team. Um, originally, like early on, we were actually going to, um, use the uh, historical reenactment club uh, for that before before we decided we needed to make them more of heels because the, the historical rea- reenactment club wasn't hateable enough but that's why we happen to have art of someone in a in a caveman outfit yeah i was wondering about that <laughs> we were like well i mean we have this art for this character we might as well like keep the club in there and they can just be like defeated by someone else in the tournament was that going to be the the um the character that joins your crew, the caveman guy? I think this was like a, it was it was still going to be pre recruitment, so you still weren't going to get anyone uh. from that group on your team. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it was just I, I'm trying to remember. I, I feel like maybe that was that art asset was something that we had as a, like a one off for a different reason, and we we had to come up with like a good reason to use it, and we're like. What if it's like historical reenactment, but he's just reenacting the Stone Age? I mean, I never thought twice about it. I'm like, historical <laughs> reenactment, sure, absolutely. Yep, it's, it's no not a very outlandish. commonly reacted uh, reenacted yeah. time period, but why not? That's no more outlandish than psychic detectives. Yeah, so. it's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you beat the young monarchists. Uh, Alicia feels a little bad about it, but. Um, you, you survive another day and then she goes to bed and has a nightmare. There's like a recurring sequence of nightmares after each chapter where uh, she, she gets like these really paranoid dreams about how like everyone hates her and is, uh, you know, is trying to destroy her or destroy the club or thinks it's worthless. Um, this game, by the way, is a metaphor for the internet. Um, if that wasn't clear, it's a, it's a metaphor for like, uh, how we, or I guess, you know, it's whatever you think it is because works belong to their readers. But anyway, uh, it was intended to be, uh, sort of this idea of the way people will tend these days tend to define themselves by like one thing, right? They pick like an ideology or a piece of media or, you know, just like some, some group, some online group, and like that becomes their entire identity, and how it's it's dangerous to think of other people that way, and it's dangerous to think of yourself that way, because identity is much more complex than one thing. That's um, how you end up with the Final Fantasy house. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that was too much of a deep cut for the podcast, but did didn't we? I I know what you're referring. Okay, didn't we good. Talk about that on a previous episode. I don't know. Maybe I definitely talked to. I definitely heard someone explaining the Final Fantasy house to me, and I I can't imagine it was anyone other than you. I don't know, but but then again, like my boyfriend has also referenced the Final Fantasy house, independent of us talking about it ever. So <laughs> who knows? Yeah, it, so, it's probably a more widely known thing than I realize. But maybe. I mean, I I don't think I had heard of it until like I I'm pretty sure you mentioned it. Maybe it was off podcast. Um, but yeah, uh, so, so chapter two is the psychic detectives, 
which are a club on campus that are questionably actually psychic, maybe, maybe not, um, that consists of Scarlet, uh, Handel, and Jania. And they, I don't know, they're, I don't know how much detail I should get into of all the characters. I, because I could, we can literally be here for like five hours because I have so much to say about everyone in this game. So I'm trying not to get too detailed. Yeah, five hours is probably too much, but uh, I, I would totally listen to any, any little like interesting tidbits. Tidbits. Um, the, so I think the original brief on the like artist sheet for these three characters was like, like they are the protagonists of an anime that is probably much cooler than this. And they should actually be the main characters of this game. <laughs> they are, they are uh, Handel who has cool hair. Jania, who has cooler hair, and Scarlet, who has the coolest the hair. Coolest hair. I'm glad you. I'm glad you mentioned anime because, I, as I was playing this, I kept thinking, God, this is the most anime non-anime piece of media I've ever encountered <laughs> yeah. in my life. Yeah, we definitely leaned heavy on some yeah. anime tropes. Like Jania was originally going to be the like oh ho ho girl, right? Oh, the like no. yeah, yes. like the really like haughty bitchy like oh ho ho. You poor, you know, poor simple fools. Um, and so we had her, and then we also had, like, Baphomet, whose whole thing was just going to be that she was, like, kind of a bully and kind of mean. And then we were, like, looking at it, we're like, shit, Johnny and Baphomet are basically the same character. <laughs> like, they're very similar to each other, and we can't just have both of them. We're like, all right, we have to differentiate them more. So we're like, all right, one of them's going to be more goth and, like, less about like being a bully and more about just like being a loner who occasionally threatens like very vivid murder um and then the other one's gonna be her whole thing is like she means well but she's incredibly bossy about it and she just wants to like make sure everything is always going well i think that was yeah that was a good choice i think so that became jania and as I think I said last time, like, Jania is a great character to have as a writer because she's just very excited about moving the plot forward at all times. Yeah. And so if you're ever like, how do we, like, make our main character go to this location? It's like, it's easy. You have Jania tell her to, like, meet me at this location and then run off. Yeah. I appreciated the earnestness for sure. Yeah, all the characters are sort of my favorite, but I do have a I do have a soft spot for Jania for a number of reasons. Yeah. Um. So her whole thing is that like <clears throat> she she's like very overprotective of Handel, who's sort of like the like shy, quiet one on the team, and she's like always trying to make sure that he's like <laughs> reciting his psychic mantra and like not overdoing himself and all kinds of things. Um. And so. But she's, like, very overbearing about it. So in um, <clears throat> chapter two is where... No, sorry, that's chapter three. Uh, so chapter two is we introduce the spying mechanic. So we introduce tactics powers, which are, like, special powers you can use in battle. Uh, every time you hit an enemy, you earn a tactics point, which goes to, like, a shared pool. And then you can spend five or ten, depend if you get the superpowers, uh, tactics points to get... Um, your uh, 
to use like a special and more powerful move. And then it has a cooldown for a turn, so you can't use it twice in a row. And these, uh, so these also play into the grading system. I didn't mention there's a grading system at the end of each battle um, where you earn badges if you're like under par or if you've used, you're over the minimum in the case of tactics powers. And those, uh, those medals are used to unlock uh, special challenge battles for each character. So the more medals you get, the more challenge battles you can play for different characters. And those unlock like super advanced moves that cost like 10 tactics points to use. And for the most part, they don't actually make the game easier. They just kind of change how it plays. Uh, which was, so our intention was, we're like, okay, if you really like tactics to the point where you're playing all of the like optional extra difficult missions, then you probably don't want an upgrade that just makes the boss battles trivial. Um, you want something that lets you do like weird and unexpected and moves that feel like cool and like that, that you have to use in very like specific uh, scenarios that you feel clever for figuring out like when it's optimal to use them. So like that's basically all the moves you unlock from the, the crucible and mastery battles. Whereas uh, the, the stuff that is just straight up better and makes the battles easier you get from talking to everybody. Because we figure if, you if you're mostly there for the story, we want to make sure that you get to the end of the game so you get to see all the story. That makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. Yeah, so whether or not it actually plays out that way in practice is, you know, up, up for debate slash discussion. Uh, but that was the intent behind it. Nice. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I didn't do all of the extra battles. I think I did all of the like first level crucible battles, um, and then I did. I didn't do all of the mastery ones. I did a couple of them. Yeah, I don't think I've done all of those battles. Yeah. I probably should. <laughs> uh, my official like post-release Steam thing is only on chapter I think three right now. <laughs> So I should, like, actually beat the game and get all the achievements so it doesn't look like I don't have the achievements for my own game. I beat all of them. Nice. You got all the... Uh, oh, beat all the mastery? Yeah. But I, I didn't really use the, like, the 10 tactics point skills. Yeah, that's fair. <clears throat> like I said, they're very sort of situational. Like, they're not just globally useful. Also, um, you need to... You cast like a certain amount of uh, like elite skills or whatever you call them to the... get like the best rank. Yeah. Yeah, that was almost always where I got dinged on rankings because I just didn't use them. Yeah, uh, no, we were, uh, we originally like we had the idea of like, we, or we had the discussion of like, should it be a par or should it be a minimum? And the problem with making it a par is then people go like, Mega elixir syndrome, right? They don't want to use it because they know that it's they're sort of punished for trying to, for using them, and it's you know it's uh, they're they're cool moves and they feel cool to use, and we want to encourage you to use them. So we're like, all right, well, what if we say like you get more points for using more of them? But you know what's evil? Hmm? Having uh, there's. I don't know if like it's a challenge or something. It's a it's a battle where like there's a lots of enemies in like three lines and you can one shot everything. Yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, and then you don't get the max point. And then you don't get the max point. Yeah, we should lower the par to that, for that to, to like, Because you literally beat it with your first attack, with your first character. Yeah, well, that's, that's a, that is a story battle. That is a battle where you're suppo supposed to feel bad that you wipe everyone out all at once. Oh, yeah, that's... <laughs> so, uh, um, I mean, you're, you're not wrong. <laughs> that is entirely accurate. Um, but in the narrative, that's where you're, like, playing the thing where it's like, you came across some merchants who don't seem to be causing anyone any harm, but at this point, you're so paranoid that you're going to kill all of them anyway. So we're like, can we make... So we, we went to our combat designer and we're like, can we make this battle, like, so easy that you kind of feel bad about it? And they were like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> and so we did. Nice. And yeah, if you have the if you have the ability on Alicia that makes it so that uh, if you have three or more enemies, you deal an extra damage, you can, yeah, you can beat everybody in one hit. <laughs> Yep. And there's like, there's like what, like 15 to 20 enemies? Yeah, there's a lot. I don't remember exactly how many, but now that we're talking yeah. about it, I do remember that one. Yeah, so so that's that's there to, that's there to make you feel bad. Um, and probably like the fact that you don't actually get uh, oh, there's a there's an Easter egg in that fight where um if you use Jania to confuse them instead, um, Jania says something like, uh, "Like I know to you know to stop us from killing them, I will just like confuse them into harming each other, uh, and then we are not responsible." And then Colin says something about how like actually, according to the definitions of evil in the like handbook, that's actually more evil. <laughs> um. And that's that is based on an argument that uh, Mike, my co-writer, had with my husband, who was the GM at the time, um, where we there was like a an an army, and he cast like mass confusion on them. It wasn't an army; it was like a group of armed guards, and he cast mass confusion on them, and they ended up like um, fighting each other, and one of them like trampled a child in the in oh, the like no. as, yeah it's like a side effect and he's like that's that's not on us right like i just cast confusion like that wasn't our fault um yeah and and like mike always had ideas of you know like what if i you know what if i made a spell book that was trapped and then i put a sign on it that said like super powerful spells no one should read on no account should you open this spell book and then only people who are bad and, and don't follow the rules will open the spell book and get hurt, right? And so, so like, Mike was always trying to find these, like, weird moral <laughs> loopholes like this. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so that's, that's just an Easter egg for that fi fight if you want to try and find it. Um... <laughs> Right, so so end of chapter two, you fight the psychic detectives. Oh, you, you also spy. So we introduced the spying mechanic where in each chapter, uh, starting with chapter two, you can find the club that you're supposed to be spying on around campus. And then you can um, basically just like listen in on what their club meeting is and sort of see what they're like when you're not when they don't think anyone's watching. Um, so the, the psychic detectives are just talking about, like, the details of some really weird case involving, like, birds and sports equipment. 
the case of the spotted owl, I think is, is what it's called. <clears throat> so they have sort of this like weird um, Nancy Drew kind of thing going on. They're, they're a little bit based on, did you guys ever, have you ever heard of an anime called Clamp Campus Detectives? Yes. <laughs> I've only watched a couple episodes of it, but um, yeah, I've watched a couple episodes of that one. Yeah. So they're yeah. a little bit based on that. I forgot about I forgot about that anime. <laughs> I know it's it's one of those that you're like, oh yeah, that was a thing that existed. Yep, that was a no. weird show. Anyway, um, you face the psychic detectives. Um, you get an ominous thing about how like, oh no, but if we're not here, like, how who will protect the school? Um, and then Scarlet tells you something about how like, I foresee that you will find a mystical artifact when this happens. Bring it to me. Um, we had a whole, we had a whole cut thing about psychic tea that never made it into the game where like Scarlet was going to give you, uh, this like tea that you would make every, uh, like every night to help you sleep in your room. And it was, it would give you psychic dreams. And we were going to make the, the things that end up, ended up being the nightmare sequences were going to be a lot more like foreshadowing-y about specific things that would happen. Um, <laughs> But we ended up cutting that because it wasn't actually that useful in terms of storytelling. Uh, but that it's the idea survived a surprisingly long time. <clears throat> um, so instead, she just tells you like, "Hey, eventually you're going to get this artifact. You should, um, you should come to me when you find it." Uh, and then it's chapter three, which is maybe my favorite chapter, which is the Spirit Week chapter. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> it's also it's also your first character recruitment chapter because at the beginning of the chapter Johnia barges in and is like, "Hey, I'm joining your club and also I made a psychomancer uh character and uh you're going to help me solve this mystery." And the psychomancer is loosely based on the Psionicist uh handbook, which is a like pretty OP um D&D class, but there's there's a number of similar like, in general, psychics in most tabletop games and D&D &D, uh, in particular are just, like, pretty OP. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. Um, you And this is where we introduced the mechanic of creative writing, uh, which was one of my favorite additions to the game. Uh, where, you know, there's, there's a, a setup where somebody is going to be joining your club, either because you invited them or... Like in Johnny's case, they kind of barge in. Um, and what you do is, as Alicia, is like you say, okay, well, I'm going to write a campaign to hook them in and kind of like, you know, get their character um, into the main plot. But I'm going to try and make it something that like helps them personally. So with Johnny, you're like trying to help her realize that like being controlling and bossy is like not great for the people around her. And with the later characters, you're, like, helping them, like, find their self-confidence and things like that. So you get to actually sit at Alicia's desk and answer some multiple choice questions that then influence, like, the, the narrative and, in some cases, the mechanics of how the CNC games play out at the board. So so who was your who was your Johnny of villain, villain? Do you remember? Uh, the... the Snake, was it Snake Queen? Snake, the Snake Lady. Yeah, the Sorcerpent Queen. 
Sorcerer Queen, that's the one. I was thinking of, I was getting mixed up with like the Raven Queen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the Sorcerer Queen was the one that I picked for this one. I, I'm not sure I remember. Was there a, like a spider lady? There's a spider lady in a later one, I think. There's the spider beyond in Baphomet's. Um, there's, there's a, I think there's a dragon. Um, there's a snake. There's a wolf and there's a bee. Oh yeah, I, I think bee. <laughs> the bee. Uh, the the hornatrix, I think, is her name. Um, yeah. So the the sorcerer queen was the original. Um, back before we had multiple choices for this. Originally, these were all linear, and the sorcerer queen was going to be like half snake, half slug. Um, and so that's where, so depending on which you choose, Jacob has a different grand plan about like what fast food item he's going to pick to like help save everyone. Um, and if it's snakes, he says like, oh, it's fries because the salt will dissolve them. And Alicia says, that's, that's slugs, Jacob. And so that is like the one remnant of the old, <laughs> the old sorcerer queen. All right, cool. Um, and then I think it's if... If it's the bee, the weakness is um, like honey barbecue wings because bees are weak to honey, which doesn't make sense, but is in the CNC rulebook. Um, if it's dragon, it's jalapeno poppers because there's like some obscure rule that um, dragons go into hibernation if they spend all of their fire breath for the day. So like Rogi is trying to make him for her breathe a lot of fire all at once um and if it's if it's the wolf it's chocolate donuts because dogs are poisoned by chocolate nice um so yeah the and this we sort of realized we could do this because we even like from the beginning we had this thing where we're like well we don't want to have to uh have new enemies for every single chapter based on like what the CNC story is because like a we want characters to, or we want the player to be able to say like okay you know I know what a dorkling looks like I know what it does and so I can you know plan my strategy around that and not have to learn a new set of enemies every single time and also it's a lot of new art and art is expensive um art was probably like the single most expensive spend uh on, in this game yeah, and yeah, as you might imagine, because it's all a hand-drawn art style. <clears throat> um, we had someone who, like, on Twitter, who's, like, really convinced that we were secretly using, like, 3D models and then just rendering them in a 2D style, which is, what? like, not true. It's all just, like, hand-animated sprite sheets. Um, but anyway, so we introduced this gimmick of, like, they only have one set of miniatures, uh, so they just you just use your imagination. Um, and then, and that way, like we can do multiple choice. So the, the monsters can be wolves or snakes or like dragonlings. And we just have the same set of assets and it's fine. Uh, and then the big boss is always a salt shaker. I love the salt shaker <laughs> so much. That was, that was one of like my earliest ideas on the game. I'm like, Ooh, can our big boss just be a salt shaker? And then we'll just reuse the salt shaker every time. Yeah, that's a good, a good, uh, good economic decision. Yeah, and then our artist Leo was like, 
um, it's like, oh, can I, should I draw it with like, uh, you know, like monster features? And I'm like, no, we're like, no, no. Like the point is that it's a, that it's a salt shaker. So it's generic enough that it can be like reused every time. And it, you know, it's funny that it's a generic salt shaker. And he's like, too late. I drew you six variations of evil salt shaker. <laughs> uh, we're like, uh, okay. And so, you know, we put them in the game and they are adorable. The like little evil salt shakers with their like little capes and little, little evil hands. Yeah. I think that was like, just a, a great, you know, extra thing. Just imagining someone sitting there with like the, the pipe cleaners and little scrap cloth <laughs> and trying to like deck out the salt shaker. Yep. Yeah, I like to believe that they put like a little tiny cape on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, so you you talk to you get Jania to join you and like help her realize that she shouldn't be bossy. Um and it's it's also like the creative writing sequences is also a good way of like um kind of revealing the metaphor because we had a lot of talks about like you know how how much do we rely on the audience to read into the writing right like how much is the audience going to pick up on specific metaphors if we put metaphors in and like eventually we're like well if we had alicia like writing the thing she could just say hey i'm trying to make a character that's mean and bossy so that jania will see why it's not good to be mean and bossy rather than just having a mean and bossy villain and hoping people pick up on it. Yeah. Um, and so that was, that was also like a reason to, that we moved towards the creative writing sequences. It, they, they ended up solving a lot of like little problems and I was, I was pleased with how they turned out. Yeah. I really liked those sections. Like it was, it was a nice little like break from walking around, but then it's like, okay, I'm going to come up with something that I think is cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it is also a nightmare of variables behind the scenes. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> because there's a, there's a thing you can do in for each story. And we, we didn't have to do this, but we fucking did it. We did it to ourselves and we have no one to blame, but ourselves. Uh, we threw in a joke where you can reuse the same villain uh, from the previous campaign for each campaign which means that if you do that every single time, you take one villain from the first story all the way to the last story. And there's an achievement for that if you use the same villain four times. Nice. Um, and But that means that like any variable that's related uh, to the villain that comes up in later chapters has to get set for every potential villain up to that point. Yeah, I noticed that. And, I and that gets really impressed. tricky... Yeah, the worst part, the absolute worst one is that we gave we gave Baphomet an option in her campaign to say, like, actually, the villain isn't one person all along. It's a cult that's named after someone. And that just, like, there's so many things that have to be specific to that option. It's real bad. But we did we it. Go back and play with some of that. Yeah. Just to see how it plays out. Yeah, we did it. And it's a, it's a thing that's in there now. So um, if you, you know, if you have a recurring villain and you picked uh, the cult option, the other players at your team are like, wait, but she's definitely one person. Like we fought her before we know. Also, Alicia has to keep coming up with excuses for why you didn't actually kill the villain in the last one. 
where she's like, oh, no, no, she 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 escaped. She thought she died, but she escaped mysteriously. Or like, that was actually just someone pretending to be her. Oh, man, um, that's going to be the next playthrough. Yeah. I don't remember if we actually went with one of them was like a clone of her. I don't think that got in there, but that was like a thing that, that, that we came up with. Um, and then if you do the same one all four times, you get a little... Uh, like special scene in the last one where like you have sort of, they have sort of an intervention where they're like, you know, you can like use other characters. And she's like, Oh, I, I thought you guys liked this recurring villain. It's lore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so if you want to have like a bee with a hive mind for the whole game, you can do that. I guess that works as a cult. Yeah. 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 I mean, why not? Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right, so chapter three uh, involves the Spirit Week. And uh, so for Spirit Week, there's a number of um, like tasks you have to do uh, around campus, which includes writing an essay, drawing a poster, and um, putting on a Raven-themed fashion show, which you never actually get to do, which is unfortunate because I've seen a lot of people get very excited about the thought of the fashion show, and then I feel bad because um, we don't let you do that one. Uh, but you do have to draw a poster and you do have to write an essay. The essay is Mad Libs. The poster you actually have to draw. We provide you with like some markers. Uh, apologies if you're on a controller. <laughs> you still have to do it with a controller. Um, there's also the uh, equestrian club is your opponents uh, for that round. And uh, so you can spy on them. And to spy on them, you have to draw another poster of a horse, uh, which is, as we were saying before, my favorite thing to watch people do uh, <laughs> on stream. Because it's watching people realize, wait, they want me to draw is like, is great. It's a great reaction every time. I think the, the, the little uh, drawing mechanic was the biggest surprise of the game. Yeah. Uh, at least mechanically, uh, I was I was really not expecting uh, that in this, and it was great. I loved just here. Here's a five minute break. Noodle around with yep. Marky Chan and your stickers. Yep, <laughs> and the thick boy. Thick boy. <laughs> uh, we we had by the way no input on that. Our artist just was like, oh yeah, we were like we need some you know like uh, assets of like markers and things. So he he, he came up with. Thick Boy, Marky Chan, and uh, Mr. Mistake, the Eraser. Yep. <laughs> and all of those stickers, gosh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, so thank you, Leo, for that. Um, yeah, and then, uh, and then you we we use the use the poster to distract the um, the the kid, the equestrian club kid who's guarding the hallway by making him think that there's a horse in the hallway. And that doesn't make any sense, but it's fine. That's the sort of sense of humor that we have in this game. I love the equestrian club, by the way. Uh, I have a question. Is that the same person that gets the horse <laughs> yep, that's, tattooed? That's the one. Okay. <laughs> oh no. Sorry, I swallowed some water the wrong way. Oh. The dangers of hydration. Yeah, I yep. think I think Equestrian Club was probably my favorite club, uh, just because of the absurdity of they don't have any horses. <laughs> yep. 
Yeah, so that that club actually went through um, some significant iterations. It was one of the only times that Mike and I had like a serious disagreement on the writing because he and I have very similar senses of humor. So most of the time we're both like very on board for each other's jokes. But we, um, for this one, we were like, okay, the gag is that the equestrian club doesn't have horses anymore. Uh, so what is it that they do all day? And I wanted it to be that they play like make-believe games, like they pretend they have horses and they go like running around outside and like jumping over little fences and stuff. Um, and Mike wanted it to be they have invented their own very elaborate tabletop game about horse jumping um, where they like roll dice to see like how well the dressage goes and stuff like that. Um, and neither of us agree. Like we both were very like uh, felt very strongly about our own ideas and we couldn't agree which one was funnier. So finally we're like, all right, let's compromise. Let's throw out both ideas and come up with something that's even more ridiculous than either of those things. Uh, that can be the true story of the equestrian club. And so we came up with was like, what if they're like Mad Max style, like post-apocalypse survivors uh, where they were super traumatized by the fact that the horses got taken away. And now they're like using like paper mache and like science club equipment to try and build a replacement horse. And so it. that's what we went with. And so the robo horse, the robo horse was probably the one single asset that I laughed the hardest at when Leo showed it to us. It was so good. So I'm I'm pleased that you know we got the robo horse out of the deal. So yeah, good compromise. Just, yeah, I was gonna say just goes to show compromise pays off. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So we ended up with uh with this sort of like. Um, slightly tattered looking equestrian club where like a lot of their their equestrian uniforms are sort of ragged along the edges and one of them has like goggles for no reason and like the leader has this just like 1,000 yard stare yeah they've seen some shit yeah they're survivors that's yeah. their whole thing and uh, yeah, so the and the, the Jesse, the the one that you distract, is kind of like the dumb one, but he's also still great. Uh, and the recruitable uh, character that you get from the equestrian club is Batu, who is the like Mongolian foreign exchange student. Um, and he's he's I love Batu. Batu is a cinnamon roll. He's very shy, and he like doesn't really like conflict. Uh, but when he when he talks about like horses or art, he like really opens up and gets really into things. So he and Colin sort of bond over the deep lore of, of horses in CNC. Yeah, I think Batu is my favorite uh, like non-starter character. Not just because uh, his the Mistrider specialization is stupid <laughs> with with chaining, and I abuse the hell out of it. But yep. I just I th I don't know. As a former horse girl, like, yep. Batu is my dream boy, basically. Yeah. <laughs> former fair. horse girl, current art girl. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Send me, send me your horse-loving artistic Mongolian stu exchange students. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> Will do. And he's, uh, 
there's like there's some side stories where like we sort of we were expecting so okay remind me to come back to like the the the, the chain of this i thought idea sequence was like batu as a foreign exchange student um mm -hmm. but we have a we have a whole theme about like um inclusiveness and sort of diversity that kind of runs through the the game and part of that was like very unintentional because when mike and i signed on we had actually the game already had concept art but no story um because our our uh, director slash programmer had you know like worked with an artist and was like i'm gonna make this really quick like six month game um and so an artist came on and he's like it's gonna be like the the snowball fight tutorial from Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, and so, like, make me three characters that, you know, have a variety of shapes. So they're, like, good silhouette, you know, distribution. Um, and then we'll make this game about, like, slow snowball fighting and D&D. &D. And so we ended up with this concept art of where, like, the main character was a young black girl. And, like... We're like, all right, I guess we're writing about, like, a young black girl playing D&D. &D, and, like, what can we do? So it's not like we, you know, specifically, like, went out of our way to, to talk about, you know, like, diversity and representation so much as we ended up with a character and concept that that worked well for. So we're like, well, this will be, a, like, a decent story to tell with this setup. Yeah. Um, and so we expected that kind of Alicia was going to be the voice of sort of representation and that like feeling sort of uncomfortable feeling of being treated like an outsider because she's you know she's a young black girl in a northeastern like prestigious boarding school and even like public schools in the northeast are very very white <laughs> like i went to i went to a high school in pennsylvania with like 1500 students or something and there was less fewer than 10 black people in the whole school Wow. Um, it was, it's, yeah, it's a very like monocultural environment. Uh, and that only gets worse as you get into like, you know, prestigious academies and things. So it's, you know, she, she's in a place where she and Siptavia are the only who's, we haven't talked about yet is the student council president, um, are the only like two black girls in the whole school. And that becomes kind of like a, a bond point of bonding for them. Alicia feels like very intimidated by Septavia because Septavia is like super successful and is like living up to, you know, this sort of stance, unfair standards of being like the, the person that black girls are judged by because there's only like two of them. Yeah. And so Alicia like, doesn't feel like she's living up to that reputation. And we were all set that like, okay, this is going to be like the main way we talk about diversity in the game. But then Batu kind of like snuck up on us. <laughs> Where we sort of just like by random happenstance decided to make him Mongolian. And then as we were writing side quests, we're like, actually, like being a foreign student is a really interesting experience. And like, I have some personal experience with that a little bit, um, having like lived in Prague for a year and gone to school there without speaking the language at first. Um, and that's it's kind of a traumatic thing. Um, and so we. We ended up actually like throwing in a lot about like how Batu is, you know, profiled for being a Mongolian student student and the only thing people know about Mongolia is like Genghis Khan and the Mongolian hordes. And uh we did a lot of we ended up doing a lot of stuff with that. Nice. 
Um, I, I realized I totally forgot to talk about the student council in for chapter two, uh, which are not actually based on Kill a Kill, but they are basically like every anime student council ever. Yeah. Not they even a little swords. bit, not even a little bit based on Kill a Kill. Septavius poses exactly Satsuki. I mean, the pose probably is because, okay. uh, yeah, I, I, guess, don't th- I guess I don't you th- didn't like do the drawing yourself. I don't know why I asked you, but <laughs> no, that's fine. <laughs> Um, yeah, we, I mean, we didn't specifically say kill a kill as like prompts, but we were like anime student council. They're like badass. They have swords for some reason, uh, and pauldrons, um, because they're like just that little bit above the rest of the school body. Yeah. It's, it's any like weird kind of sort of fantasy anime in a school, like kill a kill and Utena and, um, uh, yeah, there's almost, there's that uh, there's remember. that ghost there's that ghost hunting one, where there's like the the campus is like full of ghosts and the like student council are like, uh, like a, a the son of a priest, the son of like a yeah. like the daughter of a like Shinto shrine and the. Uh, I'm if there's if the student council ever makes it a, an appearance in Oren High School Host Club, but I don't think they do. I don't think they do. Uh, but yeah, there are there are lots of anime that have like yeah. weirdly powerful student councils. Um, and so we were like, yeah, no, we want to have like a weirdly powerful student council. And the original gag with the student council is we wanted to like really build them up as being like the super powerful final opponents, uh, in the, in the, um, tournament and then do a switcheroo at the end where it ended up being, they ended up being beaten in the semifinals by the Sunday funnies club. (laughs) Um, and then the Sunday Funnies Club were actually this, like, weird eldritch horror, like, super club. That would have been um, cool. Yeah, also. and uh, the, the the one surviving remnant of that is that uh, at one point we we came up with a gag that we were, we were just listing weird facts to each other, me and Mike, about the Sunday Funnies Club that would be, like, disconcerting but not necessarily evil where we're, like, oh, they're the only club that's allowed out after dark. And, like, every one of them, like, uh, has the same birthday. And they, um, you know, like, the it's the it's the only club that, like, existed at the founding of the school. And <laughs> things like that. Was and, that so... I'm assuming Kelly was the Sunday Funnies Club, the, the prankster girl. No, so the Sunday was Funnies not, Club was... Okay. None of them are in the in the actual game anymore. Okay. They were going to be like wearing like sweater vests and like ha- all have like grandma and grandpa names and be just like a bunch of high schoolers who really liked reading like the Sunday comics and it okay. would like talk about how, like how how funny Marmaduke was and things like that. Um but yeah, so the the only surviving joke about them is uh when you break into the principal's office, if you inspect the like student files, you can learn that the Sunday Funnies Club doesn't have fingerprints. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's your one hinting hint that like the Sunday Funnies Club is actually some super powerful, uh, potentially evil dark force. Nice. Yeah, I like that. That's good lore. Good lore. Yep. And uh, I don't know. We we talked about. I don't know if we'll ever get a chance to do DLC. There have, there have been some people who were like, we want like extra battles DLC. Um, so we did talk about like 
maybe doing the Sunday Funnies Club as like a, an optional battle DLC. Um, but we we would need like brand new art for them too, which would be tough. Yeah, that's a good um, idea. Yeah, so just FYI, they, but they do get uh, in in our current version. They do get defeated like uh, much earlier on. I think they do beat. Do they beat the Snowball Warfare Club? Um, I'm trying to remember the brackets, uh, and I don't remember, but that sounds right. Yeah. We, yeah, we took a lot of the clubs that we didn't get to actually fit into the game, and we just threw them into the brackets so they would at least appear. Um, I, I still find the concept of the Snowball Warfare Club, uh, like, losing, you know, like, two-thirds of the way through the tournament yeah. pretty funny. Yeah. Very good. Um, right. So, yeah, in Chapter 2, there's a you get introduced to the student council when you, like, you're going to see them to see if you can figure out what's going on with the tournament. And uh, Septavia and the and Victoria, the secretary, are like presenting an announcement. Oh, right on the skating rink. Um, in chapter two, we introduced the skating rink. Right. Um, the skating rink is also based on a true story from Hamilton. God, I figured it had to have been. <laughs> yeah. So the skating rink is like uh, the the principal, you know, created a pool and filled it with water so that it would freeze. And kids could skate on it, but it didn't freeze. It's still mostly water. So the student council's like, hey, here's the skating rink. The principal says, enjoy. Also, no one skate on it because it's clearly a health hazard. Um, and yeah, that, that happened at our college. They were like, hey, we should make a skating rink for the students. So they got a bunch of like two by sixes and put a tarp in it and filled it with water on the quad. Uh, and it never froze because that's not how you make a skating rink. Nice. And it was just, it, it like froze like a very thin layer of ice over top. So it was really just a, like a safety hazard and did not combine well with drunken college students. It's a miracle. No one was seriously injured. Great. <laughs> um, I mean, it wasn't that deep. It was only yeah. like four inches deep, but still. Um, so that, yeah, that was a thing. Um so we, you know, we throw that in as a as both joke and plot point in this game where there's this like mostly water skating rink. Um, so you get to see uh, Septavia and Victoria there. Victoria gives you a quiz about your school spirit. Um, and then if you wander around to the admin building, you can also meet the third member of the student council, Armando, who only speaks in dot, dot, dot. Except yep. for one occasion towards the end of the game. Where if you talk to him at the right time, he'll say a sentence and then you get an achievement. Yeah, I got that achievement. <laughs> nice. Um, so, yes. Uh, back to chapter three. Um, equestrian club. Yes, so you spy on the equestrian club. Uh, you learn that they are making a robot horse. Uh, what else? And you recruit Jania. I think that's the two major things that happen in that chapter. Is you recruit Jania and you... Um, you recruit Batu. You rec uh, well, you fight Batu in. The oh chapter. right, okay, yeah. I mean, you were talking yeah. about Batu earlier. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, you fight yeah. you fight the Equestrian Club and spy on them, and then you do the Spirit Week activities. Originally, we were like we were gonna have something interesting happen every week. Like we had a, a you know, and it was a, the game was originally gonna be longer. We ended up cutting a bunch of stuff. We cut like two chapters. We cut. Um, we were originally going to have multiple endings that would, like, the character's recruitment was going to be optional, and you would get different endings depending on how many characters you recruited. Hmm. 
but uh, so we were part of that was we were also going to have something special happen every week. So it was like skating rink opens, um, spirit week happens. There was going to be one where like the fire alarm had been pulled. So like everybody was just constantly outside and like, you know, couldn't go into the buildings because there was just like the fire alarm going at all times. But obviously that didn't work with how we ended up implementing things. So that got cut. Um, I think there was like there was going to be like uh, a major like final exam that everybody was studying for, um, but we ended up having like too much stuff narratively already, so we cut a lot of our like weekly themes. But Spirit Week still made it. Um, Spirit Week and the skating rink still made it in. Nice. And yeah, uh, so the, uh, Mad Lib essay was pretty great. Yeah, um, yeah. Another like uh, secret achievement you can get is uh, if you answer the pizza answer for every answer in the Mad Libs, uh, then you get a special scene with the principal when he comes to interrogate Jacob, uh, where he's like, um, as he's leaving, he's like, "By the way, Alicia, you you know that like the the pizza in the cafeteria is is there for you, right? Like you you don't have to feel bad about taking it. That's that's what it's there for." Okay, yeah, good. So I you did that. choose all the pizza answers. So yeah, yeah. Had you not had you not been on Gog, you would have gotten the pizza achievement. Um. Yeah, and then so the last Spirit Week activity, the Raven Fashion Show, is the one where you like can't get into the place where the costumes are kept, and so Alicia gets frustrated enough to go along with Jacob and break into the principal's office, which is where you. Yeah, you find out about the Sunday Funnies Club, um, but you also find out that Enfield used to be involved with the the creators of CNC somehow, and you find the figurine, which is an important plot point. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my throat is getting dry, so I'm going to have to pause to to drink periodically. And Jacob steals. Yeah, the Jacob figurine. takes it because, of course, he does because he's Jacob. Yeah. Um, he, Jacob is well-meaning, but he's that kind of like fuck authority kid that everybody knew one of in high school. I feel like. Yep. <clears throat> I knew a lot of or, them, <laughs> or was one based on some of the streamers I've seen. They're like, yeah, that was me in high school. <laughs> um, and so. Let's see. Um, you take Jacob takes the figurine, but that then uh, like gives it to Alicia and uh, um, what's what's her name? Victoria is already in the principal's office at that point, so you can't go back and like return it. So you take it with you, um, and you hide it in your room. And then that night, let's see. No, there's no the sinkhole opens later. So what happened? What's chapter four all about? Uh, besides recruiting the equestrians. Yeah. It starts with the principal, like, demanding that uh, that you find out about... Uh, maybe this is the sinkhole chapter. Um, it, it demands with the... It starts with the principal, like, walking in and saying, like, hey, somebody, you know, stole this uh, this property from my office and I'm trying to see who it was. And he, like, you know, tries to interrogate Jacob... Um, and so you go 
and look for... No, it can't be because it's... Jacob is gone in the beginning of the sinkhole chapter. <sighs> chapter four is a connective tissue chapter where we just like move a lot of plot stuff along. You take the ch you take the statue to, to Scarlet and she like tells you that it's like uh, connected to a lot of strife. Um, you go research it in the library so you can experience our gag about the Dewey Decimal System because that's the kind of writers that Mike and I are. That was those were among my favorite jokes as well. The, oh, good. Uh, the library sections, just so you know. That's good. There's two separate Borges references uh, in there because we're we're that pretentious. Nice. I uh, yeah. I'm I'm not pretentious. That those went over my head. I'm not pretentious enough to get those. Um, the Mike likes to point out that there's basically two points in the game where we sort of took the limiters off in terms of like what sort of jokes we allowed into the game. And one of them is the shelves of the library and the other is the um, the the character epilogues at the end. Another one of my favorite parts. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like we sort of crossed over into a similar realm of humor as a lot of the stuff in um, West of Loathing in certain ways. Yeah. Yeah, especially at the end, because you do kind of get those, by the way, here's what happened with a yeah. lot of the characters, so. Yeah. Yeah, yes. um, yeah our, like, 80s movie style <laughs> epilogues. Yeah. Um, so the, yeah, the, the Borges reference that I, that I care most about that, uh, that I recommend actually looking up is the one for, there's one that's, like, the, the bookshelf is, like, you know, section whatever, uh, books that are in this category. Okay. Um, and it's based on a Borges, uh, I don't know if it was a story or an essay or what, called uh, The Celestial Emporium of Benevolent Knowledge, um, which is specifically a satire about how like utterly arbitrary categorization systems are, basically. And, you know, how like someone, there was someone who was like, you know, we're going to do a language based entirely on, like, the category that things belong to. And Borges is like, no, that's stupid because categorization is, like, incredibly, like, um, like culturally specific and, um, you know, um, like, situationally specific. Uh, and so he wrote this Celestial Emporium of Benevolent Knowledge, which is supposedly, like, this ancient Chinese document that was uncovered that's about the categorization of animals uh, and includes categories like the ones that are in this category, um, the ones that from a distance look like flies, uh, the ones that are painted with a fine camel hair brush, the ones that belong to the emperor, uh, mermaids slash sirens, uh, ravening beasts, you know, like, so it's, it's just a fun set of categories. Right. And uh, I will say like animals that look like flies from a distance that's a really useful <laughs> category of animals well arguably all animals look like flies from a sufficient from, from distance. A great enough distance yeah but yeah so um like we we tried a bunch of the other categories uh is as earlier iterations of that joke so at one point it was like books that from a distance look like flies um, at one point it was like mermaids slash sirens. Um, 
I think it might have even been books that belonged to the Emperor at one point. But we settled on books that belong in this category as the joke that is most readable without actually knowing the reference. Yeah. Um, which is fine. The other one is the bookshelf that is like uh, every possible collection of oh, letters. Other combinations of letters, yeah. Yeah, that's also a, a reference to a, a Borges short okay. story. This is just telling me that I need to read, read, to <laughs> actually get off my ass and read some Borges. So that's on my list. Yeah. Do now, cool. Um, I mean, the honestly, the Celestial Emporium of Benevolent Knowledge. You can get everything you need to from the Wikipedia article on it. Yeah, that's um, fair. But yeah, so there's also, there's an additional Dewey Decimal System joke if you talk to Benny enough, uh, where he, Benny it will explain to you that um, the reason the library categories are so weird is because the founder of the school had like a rivalry with um, Melville Dewey. Oh yeah, I, I um, think that's the text. <laughs> yeah, and... And how, like, that's actually the reason that he founded the Academy was so he could have a library with that used a different categorization system. <laughs> um, which I find, like, super adorable, but it's a joke that I feel like most people don't see. Because a lot of people don't realize that you can keep talking to the characters after the first thing they say. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, And we have a visual cue for it. We have, like, a little speech bubble that pops up if there's something... If there's basically new text that you haven't seen before. Yeah, I definitely um, made a point of going around and talking to as many people as I could at as many times as I could. Because that's the kind of that's the kind of person I am. <laughs> yeah, I remember that happening when when uh, we played Wonder Song, when I discovered that you could talk to characters multiple times. And I'm like, oh, shit, now I have to talk to everybody all the time. Yeah. Uh, and I did. And it was worth it. So hopefully, you know, it's worth it. There are some like actual like little character narratives uh that you can uncover if you talk to everyone enough like uh donnie the like really sketchy guy um has a whole thing about like he refuses to tell you what club he's in (laughs) but then it does get disbanded at some point and he's sad about it yeah um and there's uh there's the um the the kid for the like big bully kid from the young monarchists actually gets really into art (laughs) Oh yeah, was that um, Thibaut? Thibaut? Yeah, Thibaut. They're all French. I'm told it's pronounced Thibaut. I did not write that name. That's fair. Um, There's, there's like, for the most part, Mike and I did write pretty much everything in this game together, but there are a few areas where, like, one or the other of us kind of, like, had more points of reference or more interest, so we, you know, we sort of did the bulk of it so mike anything that's basically a music joke or a music reference is entirely mike uh, I and i about that i can you can, can you guess which specific, the very anime stuff. well that also but specifically around duncan oh um there's, there's the animal facts. Yeah, yeah I was, I was like, say, this one is Duncan again. The animal facts, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, okay. uh, Duncan and Candace, right? Yeah, there's a lot of hashtag animal facts involved. Yeah. Um, Candace's whole side quest about, like, the dog is actually based on Mike's actual dog. <laughs> like, that is a right. that is the artist's rendering of Mike's dog, Beowulf. So. Oh, cute. Um, yeah, yeah, so... Um... But I did. I did help Mike originally look up the breed uh, Finnish Lapund 
when he was deciding what dog to get. So in a way, I'm also indirectly responsible for that as well. Yeah, I, I was going to ask about um, all of the music references because really surprised to see Throbbing Gristle referenced in literally anything. So <laughs> yeah, we've had a few people. We've had a few people get very excited about some certain specific references. Yeah, um, like some of them that, in the music section. Yeah, like that and uh, Elvis Costello. Went and saw Elvis Costello. That was my birthday gift from uh, my boyfriend. He was in town like a week after my birthday, so that was one. And uh, Talking Heads, New Wave or Not, that was another. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, people people get, a couple streamers have gotten pretty angry when we say that the Ramones aren't punk in one of the side quests. Yeah. I can, I can see it. I mean, the, the Ramones, the Ramones were band musicians, to be honest. Um, <laughs> oh. and, I say that, and I say that as someone who likes the Ramones. But, you know. Yeah, they, they had Bob about three chords, and that's fine. Yeah, I think Baphomet says uh, the uh, what is it? She says like the Ramones weren't punk; they just played a lot of beach music and said the word punk a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that's the thing. So yeah. So Mike did all of those. He also like he also did the music for the game. Like he wrote all okay. the music for the game. Um. But he also um. He wrote all the little snippets of music that can play uh, based on Joey's random, like, what's your favorite music genre or what okay. type of music genre represents you. There's like four or five different tiny music snippets that can play based on, like, what answers you give. Nice. Um, so he also wrote all of those. All right. Cool. Yeah. Um. um. All right, I keep getting I very yeah, sidetracked. I, I forgot where we were. Uh, Somewhere in chapter four. Yeah, we were uh, talking about Batu. Oh, right, right. Well, so we were saying you take the 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 figurine to the library to like research it. Okay. Yeah. And you find out that uh, the figurine comes from like a CNC module that was never released. Um, and so that's where we leave that part of the story for that day. And then oh, yes, yeah. and, you, and you also. Have, in the principal's office, there's the photo of the principal with the, like, Gary Gygax stand-in. Uh, it's so hard to come up with a name that sounds as fake as Gary Gygax, um, but <laughs> isn't, like, completely and entirely unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I Maybe I should read it. if I, uh, I'll bring it up again. Um, we had... So we had a list of names that we made. Mike and I just made a, a list of names that sound ridiculous. Um, and we, we just like completely left the like, this is like what our unfiltered sense of humor is basically. And okay. we did end up, we did end up picking out uh, Max Morgaine as the most acceptable, but here, here is a list of names that were, that we just put, you know, put down as potentials for our Gary Gygax alternative. Here we go. <clears throat> Donnie Dynadon, Calvin Excalivin, Mort Metamort, Fergus Malurgus, Gilbert Geist Portal, Gideon Goragon, Dougie Dungeons, Drewbert Dragons, Carlbert Curses, William Catacombs Williams. Daryl Zarkin Carroll, Lisa Pegasus, 
Brian Orion O'Brien. <laughs> oh no. Timothy Thundermouse. Harold Hydrahound. Marvin Argon. Spex Spectron. Rufus Saint Puzzle. Laszlo Fevergast. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. I, I can't you're, do it without great. cracking. Somehow Mike read through these and got through the entire list without cracking on our other stream. Uh, Kenneth Neverbed. William Bogsense. Cyril Clearbear. Marcus Antimouse. Melody Armament. Bobby Glibloder. Danny Defoe. Wendy Wyvron. Grayson Gelgast. Manny Mothman. Livia Imptrotter. Danny Drakton, Apollonius Vorp, Robert Thiefmound, Merv Monmouth, Merv Mothmouth, Weber Ear Barrier, Ragey Aggieax, Arby Barnmouth, Jennifer Evenmore, Filbert Mechagenie. <laughs> oh my god, Mechagenie! Sorry, continue. <laughs> Girl Garfield Mephistopharm. <laughs> Tamsin Birthdog. <laughs> and Kelly Vulcanspur. Oh no. Oh, it's, all, it's all so good. <laughs> they're all gold, right? Yeah. I can't even pick a favorite. Well, Mechagenie. Mechagenie probably is my favorite. But other than that... Um, Ar Arby Barnmouth is the one that I like utterly lost it at at the time so that one did actually make it into the game he's he's um i think he's the founder of jebsa okay it, it's he's like mentioned in the title of one of the books in the library okay we also had uh we also had a list of like potential names for the for the demon at the end um and we we had different categories like you know, names that just sound mystic, like Ranbolu, or Ingmatu, or Lorvitar. And then we had, like, dorky D&D &D words, like Fear Drinker, or, like, Abyssal Lord. Uh, and, you know, so there was, like, an, also, like, a proper nouns one. Uh, and then we had a category that we just called Jeff, um, which were names that were variations of Jeff, but also names that were as stupid as that. Um... And one of those also made it into the game in the form of Jeff Mefneth, um, who was is one of the other CNC founders. Okay, uh, yeah. Also, also in the deep, deep lore of the game, which I'm not sure there's even enough hints anymore to to figure this out in the game. Um, <clears throat> there is a character called Percy Q. Shen, <laughs> which is incredibly dumb, but. We know all we say is that there's a character named Patty Shen who is uh, the who is one of the founders, and she had a brother named Percy who originally found the statue. And then I think there's a book in the library in the mythology uh, section that you can find that's by like P. Quentin Shen. So if you really, really try, you can put together that there is a character called Percy Q. Shen in the game. <laughs> associated with the gatekeeper huh. but he was too dumb for that to be a major joke unfortunate 
I love lore. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Huh. So, R.B. Barnmouth did, as as one of the dumbest names on that original list, did make it into the game. I also have a soft spot for William Catacombs Williams, to be <laughs> yeah. honest. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but he unfortunately did not make it into the game. Unfortunately. Well, he lives on in our hearts. Yep. So, there's that. Ah, Filbert Macagini. Filbert Macagini. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, good aside. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, Max Morgane is what we settled on as, as something that is like, like, stupidly fantasy sounding, but ju- not just like so dumb it makes you laugh immediately. Yeah. <clears throat> but man, Gary Gygax, what a name. Yeah. I don't, uh, I think about that something. Like, how, how <laughs> can someone with that name exist or have existed? Yep. And invent um, D&D of all things. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> Too perfect. Uh, yep. Uh, right. So you also, yeah. So also in chapter four, you recruit Batu. Um, Batu is very shy. So you kind of have to like bring him out of his shell a little bit. Uh, he has, oh, right. He has the horse art quest. Uh, so his his quest is about there's like some kind of uh, fantastical horse type creature that you get to choose, uh, and you're like rescuing it from being potentially turned evil. Um, and depending on what type of horse you chose, uh, Batu draws it on the back of his character sheet, and I did all those horse drawings. Nice. That horse art was me. Yeah. Uh, also, the other thing Batu draws, which is like Alicia, she, he draws Alicia's character for her at the. Uh, christmas uh section that was the uh, other drawing i did (laughs) that's the only art i did for this game awesome um yeah so you recruit batu i think chapter five is the the first uh oh no yeah then so yeah chapter four that's the end of chapter four and then is the winter lewd as we called it (laughs) Uh, which is the like uh, holiday interlude where you don't have a club battle. You're just everybody's on campus for Christmas and you uh, discover a mysterious module has been left in the classroom. And it's the unpublished CNC module that Alicia saw in the library. Uh, and it contains information about the original founders of CNC, which includes Enfield and Max Morgan, and also this mysterious gatekeeper figure, which uh, purports to tell you like who your enemies are so you can go defeat them but actually like just makes you really paranoid and um like lashing out at like you know seeing enemies left and right and just lashing out at everybody Mm -hmm. which it's a metaphor for the internet um the he's literally called the gatekeeper um i hope that that becomes one of those things that like uh nobody like picks up on when they play and then you come back to it like five years later or 10 years later and you're like oh duh he's literally called the gatekeeper why didn't i I realize that i didn't pick up on that until you said it (laughs) yeah that's kind of what i'm hoping mission accomplished um yeah no it was it was a choice and we we decided to go with it (laughs) it also sounds mysterious right yeah 
And it's uh, a cool looking design. Very, yeah, so you, it fits. Yeah, so you play through the um you play through the module, you learn about the past. There's that's where the battle happens where there's like um uh, the the knights from the book which represent the original CNC founders attack like a bunch of um like helpless merchants and you you basically like can one shot the entire group of them in the battle. Um and then you get there's a there's a part where like the power goes out and you have to go get some candles. That's real spooky. Jacob steals some pens. Um, and you give everybody Christmas presents, which uh, a lot of people who are streaming ask, like, if what you choose to give them for Christmas affects, like, the upgrade you get. And it affects the flavor text of the upgrade you get. It doesn't actually affect the change the effect of the upgrade. Oh, okay. Um, so nobody has to feel bad for, like, giving up. Like one of the other potential upgrades. Yeah, you do have to give up. If you want to see all the flavor text for every choice, uh, then you can you can like save before that point and give all the different gifts. But um, it's it's all it's all mostly the same stuff. You also unlock your second upgrade slot, which unlocks uh, specializations. Um, excuse me. So for each character. Uh, at first, you, you get three categories of upgrades. There's, like, attack, defense, and special. I think that's true. Yes. Um, that sounds right. I don't, I don't know if the third category is actually named special, but it's basically, yeah. yeah. Um, and so you... At first, you can only, you know, unlock one anyway. Um, oh, wait, it's attack, defense, and tactics, isn't is the tactics. third one? Tactics, okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would have been my, my next guess. Yeah. Um, and so you, uh, once you get the ability to uh, unlock two upgrades at a time, if you equip two upgrades from the same category, you get a specialization, which is basically like a prestige class for your character where it changes how they operate um, in some way. Like you can change Alicia from having um, lightning-based specials to being entirely like a fire-based character if you want, for instance. Um, and usually, usually the uh, specializations are are just plain benefits. Sometimes they're just playstyle changes. It kind of depends on the character. Uh, also, I don't know if anybody noticed, um, but you can use the character sheets to see like which upgrades you can get when, because if yeah. an upgrade is available, you can like mouse over it in the character sheet, and it'll say like, "Hey, talk to this person to get this upgrade." Yeah, that was a good touch. Even though I talk to everybody at all times, but <laughs> yeah, if you would have found them anyway. Yeah, but, if uh, I didn't. Yeah, I worry that we like don't telegraph that functionality enough, but there's not really a good place to put that information. Uh, yeah. That like, hey, did you know you can go into the character sheet and see that like whether you're going to miss an upgrade or not? Um, and we sort of force you to to acknowledge that some upgrades go across multiple chapters at one point by giving you uh an a quest that you get in one chapter but that you can't finish in that chapter which is the todd's note quest yeah poor todd poor todd um todd is the character in the game who has a crush on alicia which was our producer jackie's request she's like there should be a character that has a crush on alicia and we're like all right we're gonna make it as sad as possible <laughs> 
So he like never works up the courage to tell her, uh, except at the end via when he later became a famous singer, he wrote a song for her, but uh, its lyrics were generic and he had no way of telling, she had no way of telling it was about her. So yeah. it's, it's the sad double whammy of Todd being too shy and Alicia being too oblivious. <laughs> yeah. Of, Which is hilarious life. because Alicia is normally very like emotionally savvy. Um, but yeah, no, she absolutely does not realize. I can, I can, I can see it though. Like having, uh, like self-worth doubts and being like, Oh, well, clearly this note, this, this love letter that Todd specifically told me to get wasn't, isn't about me. It's about some, obviously, how, how could it possibly be about me? So, yeah. you know, it, it yeah, she, yeah. He tells her to go get this love letter that he's written but it doesn't actually mention her by name. So she assumes that it's a letter that someone wrote about Todd to him and yeah. that someone secretly has a crush on Todd. Um, I think it's, it's not unheard of for people to be like very emotionally intelligent, except when it comes to themselves. Yeah, that too. Um, so yeah, we went with that. <laughs> Poor Todd. Poor Todd. Uh, so... Yeah, so you, you finish up the Christmas chapter, uh, and at the very end of the Christmas chapter, the um, figurine is stolen. And Alicia can't find it anywhere. Uh, and then she wakes up in the middle of the night because there's a loud crashing sound, uh, and she discovers the next morning that it's because the skating rink has opened up into a huge sinkhole uh, and fallen into the ground. Uh because, yeah, because it was a, clearly a death trap. And you also, uh, someone wrote graffiti on the wall uh, uh, that was like of the gatekeeper's sigil. So Jacob has been called down to the office because he's like a troublemaker and he's always the suspect when there is new graffiti. And also students have started to go missing. And so you go to get Jacob, and it turns out... I guess we didn't say in Chapter 4 you fight the New Wave Appreciation Club, which is the music-themed club. Yeah. Um, and you, so in this in this chapter, you're recruiting Baphomet, uh, the character from that club, who used to be smoking a cigarette. You can kind of still see it in like her hand position in her dialogue portrait. It looks like it should have a cigarette there. Um, nice. yeah. And she had like a big smoke dragon that... like flowed around her which was really cool um but we were going for like uh an e rating and you're not allowed to have tobacco references if you have an e rating uh so we had to cut her cigarette usage whoa is that hmm? is that the case you're not allowed to have yep yeah, if you tobacco? have uh, references to drugs or tobacco, then um, you can't get an E for everyone rating in a lot of countries. Yeah, I'm only familiar with like the Peggy. Yeah, the I think there was. Stuff. I remember there was one specifically that was like especially strict. I want to say it was like the German uh, ratings yeah, I think, one. I think but... Germany is like pretty notorious for that. Germany or and like Australia. Mm -hmm. But I think Australia is more focused on, like, you can't have gore. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Yeah, but so it's, uh... And, and, you know, we also cut, like, we originally had Jacob make a couple weed references 
Um, so we cut those as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Baphomet, and for, for a very short period of time, Baphomet had no cigarette, but she still had like the smoke dragon behind her. So she was just accompanied by this weird ethereal smoke dragon. Huh. Um, but we could not justify that. We did eventually cut that as well. Um, she also is impossible to write dialogue for without her swearing. So we had to come up with a way that we could display swearing in an interesting way. So we had it do like a little thing where it like randomly generates and flip flops uh, like special symbols to indicate a swear. Nice. Yeah, I like. Which by the, I liked that workaround. Is which, by the way, um, how did you guys feel about like text wiggle and text coloring? Because our our director slash programmer felt incredibly strongly about including that in the game. I I, I think it's a good choice. Like just in general, um, so you can be absolutely sure. There might have been like one or two sequences where like it felt like redundant but like in general it's, it yeah, was yeah. really nice and it fits extra well with with some characters like it fits extra well with scarlet um, <laughs> yeah she always speaks in like part. a spooky rippling purple text yeah and uh, if you if you are like savvy enough to notice that that actually becomes a useful thing to have noticed in a fight later on oh does it yeah uh in the oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. you're right I remember where that comes into play now. <laughs> Carl, you seem like you're all of a sudden much it's louder. Cool. Did you move your mic? Am I much louder? Is that just me? <laughs> Ooh. I don't know. Yeah, there we go. Is it better? That was okay. weird. Uh, sorry, you started to say something. Oh, yeah. In the text. Stuff also helps me being uh, very impatient, just clicking through text and trying to catch the like mm -hmm. gist of yeah, everything. Yeah, we actually we had um we had a couple uh we've had a couple people stream who are uh like non-native English speakers, some of whom are actually like translating as they stream it, which is kind of cool. Uh, but we oh. did have one person say like, "Thank you for the wiggle text because like as a non-native speaker." This like helps me figure out what inflection I should give this word as I'm reading it out, or this line. Nice, yeah. Like, oh, this is sarcasm because it's wiggling like sarcastically. <laughs> um, so, what does a sarcastic wiggle look like? Uh, I mean, it's one of the wiggles that we have. We had like named <laughs> wiggles that we like developed that we could apply to different text as a tag. Oh man, I'm gonna have to go back and. So there was and like the wiggles. Yeah, so there was like dream wiggle and like spooky wiggle and sarcasm wiggle, sarcasm wiggle and a bunch of things like that. Um some of them ended up drifting from their like I think there's one that's called crying. Um but uh yeah, so it was just, you know, we just basically had a way of like assigning labels to specific text animations so we could use it without having to individually animate it every time. Um yeah. one of the like Ben's whole thing, he's our our programmer, um, is that he's he's kind of a tools programmer, and I think he mostly wanted to make a game so that he could make a lot of fun tools. <laughs> so things like a scene scripting system and like a dialogue wiggle system and things like that. So you know, we had a dialogue wiggle system. It was great. Nice. Um, 
yeah, so you go you go investigate the sinkhole, you go investigate the graffiti, you get Baphomet. Baphomet's whole thing is that um, she actually has this, like, internally very vibrant um, creative life, but because she's kind of, like, mean and goth, like, most people are either, like, too afraid uh, to talk to her, uh, or they kind of assume that she's, like, oh, she really, like, is very soft and nice deep down. And, you know, like, they basically, people make a lot of assumptions about her, and she's kind of, like, annoyed by how much people assume things. Um, so she has a creative writing sequence where Alicia starts by, like, making a bunch of assumptions about her character, and then Baphomet leaves, and then you have to rewrite it, like, in, in tandem with Baphomet, so she actually gets to have input uh, on mm -hmm. the story, uh, which I think is an important thing for... GMs to do with their players. Yeah. Um, there's a then you unlock all of Baphomet's side quests, which includes probably my favorite side quest in the game and one of the very first side quests I came up with, which is the note passing side quest between Baphomet and Jania. Oh, that was so cute. That was a Where, good one. Yeah, they they clearly have like crushes on each other, but they refuse to talk to each other. So you have to ferry notes back and forth between them, but they're like they're literally on the same screen. <laughs> like they could just talk to each other but they don't so you ferry a bunch of notes and then you like blow up at them and go like please just talk to each other <laughs> um uh ben said early on that we would we would consider this game successful if like people shipped some of the characters and i'm like all right i i'm gonna work that in i'm gonna make one of these ships canonical nice. um so it was johnny abafmet <laughs> And it's canon now, because I control it. And I can do whatever I want. I mean, it's 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 high school. Like, there, it's gonna happen. There's gonna be canon canon couples. Yep. So, yeah, and we like well. we didn't want it to be like have a weird romance angle because they're high schoolers. Yeah. So, like, it really doesn't get farther than anybody like passing notes to each other. Um, yeah. But and and you know, like, there's a there's a certain connotation with like visual novels that are that take place in high school that deal with romance that like we wanted to avoid yeah that's um, yeah so but you know i like them i think they're cute together yeah they're both like they have a certain like relationship dynamic that's like a very common couple trope which is you know like the bubbly, happy, over-the-top one and then the really like stoic slightly tsundere one so yeah. I like them. Also, they used to be kind of the same character. So yeah. might as well. Um, yeah, so that's chapter five. You also fight um, you fight the uh, Animal Identification Club in chapter five, uh, which is not a club that identifies animals. It's a club that identifies as animals. It's the furry club. Uh, because we figure if we're if we're making a game about the internet and how <clears throat> like inclusivity means reaching out to everybody even if you like think their whole deal is kind of like bad or dumb like hey who's more like unfairly persecuted on the internet than furries oh man furries get such a bad rap <laughs> and like you know some like not saying that like 100% of furries are great people or anything but like 
they do unfairly get a bad rap on the internet for sure. So yeah. it's written some some little furry love. So and also there's sort of a joke there in that like there's two furries. One is a snow leopard and one is a flying fox. The snow leopard character is clearly like way cooler and more like together and just like in in every way better as a as a party member than the flying fox. So of course you get the flying fox as your party yeah. member. <laughs> Um, Avery's also the non-binary character in our game because they figured why the heck not, pretty much. Yeah. Um, also, our our combat designer is non-binary, so like we wanted to, you know, have a non-binary character in the game. Also, Avery's badass. I love Avery. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, you get Duncan. Duncan is fine. Duncan is just like a little too excited about being a bat. Um, yeah. Uh, Ryan, our combat designer, described Duncan as like the kid who just came out for the first time and is like just so excited about it that it's kind of exhausting. Yeah, I can see that. Um, which you know, it's like it, it, that's basically Duncan. Like Duncan means well, and there's just like tries real hard, and there's nothing specifically bad about Duncan, but. Duncan's whole deal with being a bat is, like, a little bit exhausting. Yeah, especially with the uh, the the side mission where Duncan is hell-bent on figuring out what Alicia's, like, other kin, kin <laughs> I guess, would be. Yeah. 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 And uh, we actually had, I think, like, two other, one or two other Duncan quests that ended up getting cut just because it was so late in the game and like it's there's you already have so many side quests to do at that point we're like we let's just give you the upgrades and like not have you have to like run around and do three duncan quests in a row yeah that's that's the unfortunate like problem that you always kind of run into in games where you're recruiting people throughout the game like in the persona games it, you just have all these characters at the end and it's like yeah, Most and by the by the time you get the last use. character, you like know who you like to use, and like yeah. experimenting with a new character is like non optimal. Yeah. That being said, I did I did actually end up using Yin quite a bit at the end. Yes, Yintero Chiroptera, after the <laughs> suborder that contains flying foxes, um, aka Yin for short. Um, he's uh, yeah. So I I got to write a lot of bat facts. All of his uh. All of his upgrades are like bat facts from Wikipedia, uh, or not not really, like most of them are made up stuff, but they're all based on like actual species of bat, of like flying foxes that we found. So I got to write a bunch of fun hashtag animal facts. Also, after we released the, the or like after we were done with the game and we were just about to release, we found the uh, Twitter uh, account, Give Bats a Break. Which basically could could be written by Duncan. Oh, it's man, basically adult Duncan's Twitter account. It's adorable. It's just it's just a bunch of stuff about bats and like how they're like mistreated by society and people don't understand them. And it's about like you know education and conservation of bats. Right now they're holding a like the Bat, bat World, World Cup. Cup. <laughs> yeah, where you vote on your favorite species of bats from like this top 16 candidates he picked. Um, nice. The fruit bat's already out, 
uh, out of the running at this point, unfortunately, because um, that would be the Duncan choice. Uh, although the Dawn bat is a is a pollinator bat that looks a little bit similar, so um, I'm I'm now rooting for the Dawn bat. But um, yeah, no, it's it's funny. We sent the guy a, a free key to the game. We were like, hey, we have this character at the end of our game who I feel like you have a lot in common with. You both really like bats a lot. So here's a key to the game. Nice. Yeah, I immediately followed this guy. <laughs> He's great. I love the Twitter favorite, account. New favorite we, Twitter account. We found him. Twitter. We found him because he tweeted the Pope. Um, because the Pope posted something about like some some scripture about how, um, like like bats, you know, sinners live in the dark um, because they're like afraid to face the light or something like that. And the bat fact, the give bats a break posted back, like, actually, like, bats are really helpful. And the stuff they do in the, they're, they're like, they're not in the dark because they're afraid to face anything. They're in the dark because they love being in the dark. And, like, they do some of their most valuable work in the dark. And it's actually more like, um, you know, like how good Christians are supposed to, like, do good deeds without expecting thanks. And, like, quoted some, like, quoted back some scripture at the goddamn Pope. Oh, uh. The bat account claps back hard. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, flaps back. But yes, no, he did actually yeah. say that. He oh, said, damn. He, has, he had a thing where he talked to somebody and he's like, yeah, like, uh, no, no, sorry. It wasn't claps back. It was uh, this song flaps. That's like slaps, but for bats. <laughs> nice. It's, it's fucking Duncan as a Twitter account. It's amazing. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Oh, great. There is good in the world. Yeah. yeah, in the form of give the give bats a break Twitter. Mm. Um, so, so yeah, you recruit Duncan. Duncan has a quest about because Duncan is like um, very codependent on Avery and like looks to Avery for support like pretty constantly. So your Duncan's whole thing is about um, kind of having to stand on his own and not rely on on someone else. Um, yeah, and then, so this chapter also contains the sequences where you try to spy on the student council, but they're too wily, so you just end up finding a bunch of traps. I loved the the culmination of the sequence where they hired actors to pretend to be them. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so there's then, one... And then the, the, like, the little joke where uh, Alicia says to the, the Septavia stand-in, how come we haven't, like, run into each other on campus? Oh, we're, we're, we're hired from the community college. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're actually hired ang- actors from the, like, community college's theater group. Yeah. Um, there's, there's three, yeah, so there's three sequences. One is, uh, and they can actually be done in any order. Um, one is, oh. yeah, they, they hire, they hire uh, actors to pretend to be them and uh, to, like, loudly declare an alternate plan. There's one where they dress up some mannequins and there's a tape recorder that's just like listing the names of all the students in the school to waste your time um, as, the, as they are like remembering the who they're fighting for. Uh, and the last one is a pit trap. And I don't know if anyone like will like ever notices this because it's it's so distant from the moment. But this is actually a callback reference, the pit trap, um, because the thing that's used to trap Jacob is based on whatever you told Victoria was Jacob's greatest weakness in chapter two. Oh, that makes sense. 
So if you said. Oh, yeah. I noticed it was the same, but like, I didn't like. I didn't make yeah. like a big. No, I mean, it's, it's fair. It's like the, the setup for it is in chapter two and then the payoff is in chapter six. And it's not that important to pay off. So um, I don't know how many people will notice that the two are like connected to each other. But yeah, if you if you say chips, then it's like a bag of chips. If you say it's his um, like uh, inconsistent political views, it's like a really like bizarrely specific political pamphlet. Um, and if you say, uh, <coughs> oh, if you say he's always doing crimes, it's uh, cherry bombs. Nice. Um, and yeah, they try to trap him with a pit trap. There's one thing a catacombs master can recognize. It's a pit trap. A pit trap. Yep. Um, so yeah, you go to fight the student council, uh, and then there's a big like switcheroo where it turns out the the campus is you never get to fight the student council because the campus has been taken over by the clubless club, which is composed of uh, students from other clubs and presumably also other members of the student body um, who have had their clubs disbanded um, and they have turned to the gatekeeper uh, because they the, the one thing that defined their identity was taken away from them. And so they like band together as a, a persecuted mass um, to try and, uh, you know, like take revenge on those who, who wronged them. And yeah, yeah, legitimately pretty creepy too. Oh, good. I'm yeah. glad. Yeah, yeah. There's a sequence where you and Duncan uh, investigate the sinkhole at night, uh, and it like uh, the lights flicker for just a moment, and you see like a bunch of the clubless club students all like standing in a circle around you, staring at you. And I I worked really hard on the lighting cues for that scene. <laughs> so I'm like, at first, like if you see them for too long. It's not scary, but if you see them for too short, then you like you you can't register what it is. And yeah. it was like I tried to find find a good balance. It, uh, it that was like a legitimate small jump scare for <laughs> oh, me. Oh, good! So. Yay! I did yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good job. A plus. Yay. Um, and that's like that's probably the only jump scare in the game, I would say. It's it's I mean it is a mild jump scare, but it did get me. So yeah, um, yeah. So then the the clubless club have taken over the campus. Um, you there's like a little mini sequence where you can like uh, avoid fighting them by like it's Pokemon rules. So like if you're in their line of sight, they see you. But if you like walk just like one column to the or row to the side on the grid they don't see you yeah um so you can avoid those fights or you can fight them and you make your way to the principal's office where the student council has conceded the title of the ultimate club to you uh and it's revealed that the principal was doing all this because the figurine is actually like the the representation in this world of like an evil paranoia demon and he'd been uh guarding it and trying to like contain its evil energy, but then, uh, you know, it got stolen, so it escaped, and it started tormenting the school body, so he's like, and he's kind of gotten, like, 
too old and too tired to maintain control of it anymore. So he wants he wanted to find a club that had like a really strong sense of identity and like belief in themselves that could withstand the gatekeeper's attention for another, you know, 40 years or whatever um, until it wore them down. Uh, so he wants you to take their place, to take his place, which is like sort of a hero moment, but also um, like kind of a bum deal. Yeah. And fun fact, that was one of the original endings of the game. Oh, nice. Um, if you didn't recruit anybody, it was going to be like the ending was, uh, you know, you heroically take on the sacrifice that the principal asks you to and uh, and you save the school, but like you also have to live with this demon. And it's only if you like got every single character that you would get this special ending where you actually get to like do away with the gatekeeper once and for all. Uh, and then when we were cutting things for scope, we were like, is it kind of shitty that like only this like smallest proportion, this like a small proportion of the most dedicated players will get to see the ending that we like actually consider like the real and pointed ending to the game where you do the thing that like we want you to do. And so we made it non-linear or we made it linear rather non-branching. Um, which I think ultimately was a good decision if if for no other reason than we could not have scoped out the, the multiple endings thing. Especially yeah. if we had to have variable dialogue based uh, on every scene based on how many characters you had recruited. Oh yeah, that would be a nightmare. Ugh. Yeah, so... <clears throat> you also have um, a scene with Septavia where... Um, Alicia talks to Septavia and they have kind of a heart to heart about, you know, like being in a situation where, you know, things are, there are unfair expectations of you and you are like, ex, you know, you're expected to succeed, but you just, all you want is to just kind of be your own person and do things your own way. And in some ways that like, that's its own form of success, um, which God, that speech went through like at least six iterations <laughs> trying to find the wording. We're like, do we, do we call out specifically that they're like black girls at the school? Do we leave that implied? We like sent it to our diversity reader and are like, is this too subtle? And she's like, you don't have to be coy about it. You can just mention that they're black girls. It's fine. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so that's also the, the part where uh, you can have Armando's one line that he actually, one sentence that he actually says. Yeah. Uh, and then, so then there's like a rift that happens where, um, you know, Alicia's not sure if they should do this, but Colin really wants to do it. And Colin's been getting like steadily kind of more and more of a jerk the whole game. He mm -hmm. starts out as someone who's just a little bit like rules, rules lawyery. Um, but he gets like less and less, um, you know, like less and less amenable to getting new. Uh, party members as the game goes on and more and more like paranoid about people trying to destroy the club and so it's revealed that like actually you know the gatekeeper has been exerting influence on him because he's the most susceptible to it uh, and so you have to go and fight Colin and like remind Colin of you know who he is and what he cares about Colin does some literal gatekeeping where he's like oh I won't even talk to you unless you can beat me in this like really hard CNC module and so you have to, you have to fight. It's a, uh, it's the, um, 
what's it called? Tomb of Horrors? There's like a famous Dungeons and Dragons module oh. that's supposed to be like stupidly hard. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know enough about like I don't know enough about actual D&D. I've played D&D. <laughs> I've played like one campaign and we were really all just winging it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it that's was, fair. It was a nightmare, but so much fun. So yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so, yeah, so this is sort of like, um, this chapter is where we kind of start to confront the real like crux of the themes in the game. Um, so after you get Colin back, you talk to everybody in your party and you get to go and fight. Um, you fight four members of the clubless club who are defunct members of your teammates, former clubs, but you don't know who is who. So you have to pay careful attention to details about them and then guess who they are in order to like bring them back. Um, and you can't actually defeat them in combat. Um, if you guess wrong, they heal up and, uh, and then you, uh, you have to keep fighting them. Okay. So it's a little bit about um, like, you know, your empathy, how well you as a player like have actually been paying attention to the characters in the game. And this is where, like, if, you, if you've noticed that Scarlet always speaks in purple wavy text, when you talk to one of them, you will notice that one of them speaks in purple wavy text. Yeah. That's funny because Scarlet was one of the... Is it... It's, it's not always... Is it always the same three or is it random? It, it, yeah, it's always the same four characters okay. and they always say the same oh, things. Oh, yeah, four. Okay. I didn't know if it... Yeah, okay. That's funny because I, I didn't actually realize that it was the purple wavy text was the giveaway. There's, I mean, we tried to oh, do a couple giveaways. Some of them are harder than others. Um, I think, uh, I don't know. Some of them, some of them are hard. Avery's is pretty easy because Avery talks about like you humans wouldn't understand or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so I wasn't sure if that was Avery or if that was uh, like uh, Baphomet. <laughs> uh, one of the uh, like one of the other new wave uh, folks. You mean? Yeah, yeah. The uh, I mean, the new wave person ends up being the one who just like hates everything because it's the guy who spends the whole thing like complaining about the hats and complaining about the like everybody else's taste in music. Yeah, that was the one that I like wasn't sure on. I did get it right, but yeah, that was, might be the hardest one. Yeah. Um, and then uh, yeah, like Jesse's uh is a little bit tough, um, but he does have a southern accent, and we did write in like a slight accent oh okay um so hopefully that's like meant to be the hint if you um i think we also at least for some of them if not all of them we actually play their club themes in the background so if you've been paying attention to the music you can also recognize their music themes the only club theme i remember off the top of my head is uh the the student council yeah, they have a very good, very dramatic is, club theme. Yeah, it's great. Um, the equestrian one, the equestrian theme is called Metal Horse um, with like a, a one of those interrobangs at the end. Um, and it starts out like a really like prancy sort of, uh, you know, like equestrian theme. And then it goes into sort of like a Metal Gear type uh, theme after that. I I, um, I did get the soundtrack edition. I haven't listened to it all the way through yet. Oh, nice! Yes, so the wintermost yeah. edition. Yes. Um, yeah. No, I'm I'm pretty proud of Mike's soundtrack. I think he did a really good job. Yeah. Um. So there's some pretty like memorable club themes on there. Um. 
yeah, so you you have to like figure out all of the the club members. Uh, Scarlet's one is is um, pretty cute because uh, Johnny just like lists a bunch of facts about her, but it's <laughs> enough it's enough for Scarlet because Scarlet has apparently actually been possessed several times before. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the other thing we kind of wanted to point out with this scene is that like you may notice that um, I think pretty much everybody who's rescued. Um, you have to, the stuff you have to say to them to, to bring them back is not stuff that you, the player, know about that character. It's stuff that the characters know about that character. Because the yeah. point is that, like, it takes a while to get to know somebody. And only by, like, actually knowing someone well and knowing the details of their lives can you really connect with them on that level. And that, like, that's why it's important for everybody to have like somebody that they can reach out to because, you know, there's only so many people who are really close enough to you to know that much about you. Mm -hmm. um, so like, you know, Batu knows about like J that Jesse like wanted to graduate and ma major in business because his like family owns a ranch and it's suffering. And he like, you know, wants to help get them out of debt. And um, <laughs> Johnny knows a bunch of random facts about Scarlett. Like her and, social security uh, number. Yeah, her <laughs> social security number. And, uh, you know, uh, Ripper's thing is the whole thing is that, like, he went to a television concert back in the day and believes television is the only real new wave band. Yeah. Um, and Avery's uh, got, like, a whole backstory about, like, their relationship with some of their, like, childhood friends and how important they were. Uh, the friends in question are actually named after two of my childhood friends is kind of a shout out. Like, hey, these were the two friends I had in high school. <laughs> nice. Um, and yeah, so you you revive all of them, and then they in turn can like revive other people from the cult, and like slowly everybody, it's like a web of um, connections, and everybody like revives somebody, uh, and then you get to actually fight a demon god. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is such a like good yeah. example of. Uh, giving a good alternate payoff because I was I was like so I don't want to say stressed out stressed out is too much but I was like a little on edge about like oh shit I gotta fight the student council student council is gonna be so hard and then I didn't have to fight the student council and I was like oh okay well that's a kind of a letdown I guess nope demon god <laughs> yep and uh we did actually I'm, I'm not sure which patch version you guys played on we did actually change the second to last fight there a little bit because it was too hard. The uh, the initial version of the second to last fight, which is to say the first form of the gatekeeper, um, is like some people got it right away because there's like one strategy that like you is you know like pretty reasonable. But if you didn't know that strategy and you tried to do other stuff, like th that gatekeeper like really messed you up. Um, and it's, and also like, it's a very dialogue heavy battle because like the other clubs come in to help you throughout the battle. And it's, so it's, a, it's one that sucks to have to replay a ton of times. Yeah. I think I, I think I had to do that one. Like, I think I failed it twice and got it on the third try. Okay. But by then it's good. like, like, I, I mean, we, we watched some streamers like play it like six times Oh man! and we were like, yeah. Ooh, okay. Clearly, we need to balance this a little better. Yeah. Like, three times, okay. Like, six times, not okay. 
Uh, and then there's like a, then he has a second form, which like looks more dramatic um, because, and he has like an instant death move that can kill you, but it's actually a slightly easier fight. It's more of a like um, victory lap kind of fight. Yeah. Because, because you just have to take out yeah. all the like little, little enemies around him, which is pretty easy to do. And that's one where um, he has an insta-kill, but unlike every other game uh, fight in the game where you're limited to three characters, in this one, as characters are killed, other characters will come in and replace them, which is based on the boss fight from Final Fantasy VI, um, because that's a really cool end boss fight. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was the first uh, game that I streamed, actually. Yeah, I remember that. Way back in the day. Um, yeah, and then you defeat then you defeat any evil demon god, uh, and you win, and you everybody lives happily ever after. The clubs uh, start to like the clubs are all re reinstated and start to commingle, um, and then there's like an assembly where the principal congratulates you, and then you can go like walk around and talk to everyone, and there's like an '80s sports movie style like epilogue for everybody it's only for for npcs it's only the npcs that you uh finish their side quests so if you don't finish all the side quests your auditorium might be emptier i think i probably i, I think i got the achievement for all the side quests yeah i assume if you talk to everyone all the time you probably got all the side quests i think um, th this is where the joke that almost made me ruin my keyboard was uh because i almost spit water on my keyboard but <sighs> And I'm still, like, laughing thinking about it. The joke about how uh, Kelly was responsible for Iran-Contra and it was a prank. Yeah, the, the, she finally came up with the ultimate prank. It was called the Iran-Contra scandal. That yeah. one's, like, as, as I said earlier, like, this was us with, like, the limiters off. So, like, yeah. that, that joke is maybe a little too dark for this game, but it's fine. It's the epilogue. That was also the one time where uh, my boyfriend is also in the room, and I made him stop what he was doing so he could read that one, and he also <laughs> laughed with nice. no context. So, good joke. <laughs> good. Um, yeah, there's a few, like, very what-the-fuck moments among the epilogues. Like, uh, there's one girl who, like, always hangs out in the quad, and uh, oh, she... <laughs> yeah, she has... She's always talking about, like, trying to find, like, this butterfly... And she's the only character who doesn't get new dialogue every chapter. Um, and it's because she was a ghost who died 40 years ago. That was a good touch. Yeah. Uh, also, Jacob is Banksy. Yeah. <laughs> that was, there was yeah. one other one that I really liked. Um, well, the whole the whole epilogue bit with um, the New Wave Club about how everyone started to ban it. It was better than the other guy's band. Yep. Very good. Um, there's one about, like... Uh, a horse-themed jewel thief. The Equestrian Club also gets some good ones. Yeah. Uh, there's the one of them, and Katie, the leader, invented like a galloping nuclear tank, but a, a chance meeting with a horse reminded her of her ideals, and she destroyed the plants. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, there's some there's some fun ones. Uh, well, I you know left to the user's discretion, I guess, to the player's discretion to to find and read them all. Um, but that was that was a fun part. And then, so then after all these epilogues, we have a final closing epilogue sequence where we, like, finish the bookend that we started at the beginning where, um, like, there's an outside narrator. And it turns out that this entire time it's been Colin uh, telling the story to Alicia's daughter. 
because Colin is the new principal of Wintermore Academy in the future. And uh, Danielle, who's Alicia's daughter, is going to the college, or going to the school, rather, going to the, the high school. And so, um, like, Colin is sort of trying to, you know, encourage her to, like, reach out and join some clubs and make friends and, like, you know, that she shouldn't be scared of, like, not living up to her mother's reputation because, like, her mother's reputation was really just about, you know, like, being there for other people and um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I really like the ending. We had one streamer who read that ending and like audibly choked up while he was oh. like narrating it. And I'm like, yes, mission complete. I can die happy now. I made someone cry a little bit with like the thing I wrote. So it made me happy. Yes. Yeah. I, I actually forgot about kids. the framing, like the introduction of the framing at the at the beginning. So at the end was like, whoa! It was a big surprise moment for me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> because I like, have a bad memory. <laughs> that that's fair. I mean, like it's it is like the game is like twelve to or like ten to fifteen hours. So it was like you know at minimum twelve hours ago, probably more if you're playing it over the course of three weeks. Yeah. So that's fair, but. I think it works either way, even if you don't remember the, the fact that it's a bookend. Yeah. Yeah, that's Wintermore Tactics Club. Yeah. Um, I, I had a blast making it. I'm really proud of the game. <laughs> like, I'm glad that it's well received, but you know, I'd, like, I'm I'm just really happy to have made it. <laughs> yeah. Like. Even if it even if it had less of a reception, yeah. yeah um, I mean, I still I still want it I still want it to sell more um, because it's it's really hard to like get the word out about a game when like half the staff of most like game review magazines are like not working. Um, yeah, as it turns out, uh, but we'll see. We still have you know we'll still have another like two major releases in the form of our localization release um, where we're like working on that right now, where we're translating everything into was it's like German, Russian, um, simplified Chinese and Brazilian Portuguese, I think. Hmm. Um, and then again, later when we do our console release, it was all supposed to be simul released, but pipelines got delayed because of Corona. So yeah. it's just like, well, you know, we could delay everything and release in the fall when probably, like, everybody's going to be releasing stuff because everything will have been delayed. Or we can just release PC now and then, like, do some non-simul releases. So that's what we went with. Yeah. That's fine. I'm glad. I'm glad I got to play it now instead of in the fall. So, yeah. there you go. So any, like, favorite, favorite side quests or favorite moments? Uh... I liked, uh, uh, oh, what was her name? The big tough girl. Oh, Isabella. Isabella, yeah. I liked her, and I sort of wish there was, like, more of her in the game, but there are also just a lot of characters. Yeah, So that's true. I think she was my favorite, like, non-club member, or non-like, named club member. Also, the, uh, the character who, um, when, when Leo drew her, he's like, yeah, no, I like Isabella a lot. She, she is my girlfriend. So we put him in the game as Isabella's boyfriend. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's, so that's why she's yeah. like trying to call her boyfriend Leo all the time. <laughs> Ship it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 
I will say though, dog grooming is not like. <laughs> but you might have to. You might have to hold the dogs down, and they might kick you. All of all of the three jobs that you give to Isabella have justifications for why they're like kickboxing, even though none of them are really like kickboxing. Yeah, I think I. Um... I think I suggested the uh, the PI's assistant. Yeah, most people pick private eyes assistant because we did a bad job of communicating that that one is mostly desk work um, in the flyer. Yeah, uh, there was, I remember there was like a brief, like a week of time at a, a job that I previously worked where me and a couple of my coworkers were like, man, what if we just quit our job and got licensed as private investigators and just did that <laughs> instead? So how hard could that be? Yeah, exactly. I think we just wanted badges. You can get badges that say that you're a private investigator, and I think that's what we were really into it for. So nice, you know. Um, my understanding is it's mostly like spying on people and taking photos of them to see if they're cheating. And, yeah, yeah. Um, Basically, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. As I mentioned, my favorite uh, side quest is the. Is probably the Baphomet Jania one, the note passing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably mine too. And their epilogues, in their epilogues, they end up together, so it's canon. Mm -hmm. Yes. Also, Baphomet was one of the founders of White Wolf. Oh. That is that is the that is the thing we are parodying with uh with our like you know, yeah. the other tabletop game for, like, goths and theater kids. Yeah. And, uh, they did um, Vampire the Masquerade mm -hmm. and uh, Mage and uh, a werewolf one? That one might just be called Werewolf? I don't know. Oh, yeah. The only one I know is Vampire the Masquerade. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that's Winter More Tactics Club. I don't know. Did you guys have any like notes you took or questions you wanted to ask? So the big question that I wanted to ask was, and I, I mean, we got into a lot of it, but like, what was the joke that you loved but had to cut? Oh God, um, because I know you like, you got to kill your darlings, and I want to know about your favorite your favorite child. Oh. You know what? I might be able to. I might be able to find it because we had a. So we had a writing file that we called like, um, like old writing to keep or something like that, which was mm -hmm. just a way of cutting text without having to feel like we were cutting it. Yeah. Uh, like literally, all we did was like, if we had to cut something but we really liked it, we just moved it to this file so we could pretend that we could add it back later if we had to. I mean, that's a good practice, like, anyway. You never know when you might find another spot for it, but yeah, it is, it is the discard file. <laughs> oh, God, what did I call that file? Um, I mean, you know, those, those goddamn uh, names were, were pretty great. Yeah. Uh, what do we do? Cut was it? Yeah, cut content for later. Here, let's see what's in cut content for later. Um, there was okay. So here's some here's some text from uh, Kimberly when she used to be much meaner. Uh, yeah, I forgot about Kimberly. It's just that that is not a joke. 
there's some jokes in here about uh like that Jacob made about like smoking weed <laughs> that we had to cut. <laughs> Chania's line. Aha, I sense a new ally. Meet us at the Curses and Catacombs club room, animal themed youth. <laughs> um <laughs> There's a after you beat after you beat the young monarchists, there's a there's a uh there was a cut jot dialogue choice. Uh where with the principal with a conversation with the principal where one of the things you could say to him was what about the young monarchists and he would say who there isn't any club registered at our school under that name let's focus on the clubs that still exist like you <laughs> which is just too mean <laughs> that's good though i like it <laughs> i like that you have young monarchists <laughs> yeah they did, they did come back at the end even they helped yeah um we have a cut dot 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 from Armando, which I'm not sure why that's in here. Um, oh man, there was there was something. It was not an intentional joke, but there was a a cut thing that happened accidentally that I still find really funny. Um, which is we were, which is shipping Jacob and Armando. Um, because at one point there was, th there's that quiz that Victoria asks you, um, like questions about the school and the quiz used to be pretty different. It used to be like harder and have a lot more questions. Um, and because of the way we were switching questions around at one point, very briefly, there was a question, there was the question, what is Jacob's greatest weakness? And one of the a possible answers was Armando. <laughs> Nice. And so, like, I, I, like, secretly got, like, a little seed of shipping at that point that, like, I still haven't really gotten rid of. Yeah, that's, that is a strong dynamic for a <laughs> Yeah, that's Absolutely. a weird, yeah, that's a weird pair. They don't make any sense together at all. <laughs> um, but yeah. No, I think there was a, there was a lot of, uh, dialogue that got cut um just because we needed to slim it down yeah. um we cut we did cut uh the thing is i don't miss a lot of jokes because most of the time when we cut a joke we tried to replace it with a better joke oh, okay. um yeah, so makes... like there's some cut stuff from the library the one about the one about uh true crime used to be um stabba the true story of the abba killings um which we decided was like off tone for the game. Uh, and instead it's just like an incredibly like detailed and boring, like set of like law uh, texts. And it's the true crime yeah. section. That was, that was another one of my favorite uh, library jokes. So, but I do like Stabba. I will say that. I think that was the one like really genuine laugh we got out of Sean Plot. Uh, when he played, because I think he only played like the first chapter, um, mm. and he he like he laughed at the true crime punchline as well. Yeah. The library, yeah, the library is just uh, a hotbed of good joke activity. Yeah, as I say, like that's where we like we took the we took the reins off and yeah. just like wrote whatever like really stupid jokes we we thought of. 
Yeah. Um, my, I think one of my favorites in there that. is actually uh, you die if you count to 100 number theory <laughs> because it's a theory about numbers. Um, but yeah, that's my, and, and there's, I think there was a lot of like, just like weirdly phrased stuff from Jania that got cut. Um, just her being enthusiastic that just got cut because like we didn't need it or we didn't have that scene anymore. Um, I guess I do kind of miss the, the Sunday funnies joke a little bit, like as a concept, it's, it's, uh, it like definitely wouldn't have fit. It, it was in a very early draft and it wouldn't have fit in any of the like more recent drafts, but it was a funny concept. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't uh, have any, any like real questions. That was the thing that I was just most curious about because that's fair. I know there's so much writing involved and that means that there's a ton of shit that was cut out because that's yeah. just how it works. Yep. And, You're the uh, one who's good at asking questions, Kyla, so... <laughs> That's fair. I mean, I already narrated the whole game, so... Um, Carl, any any questions? Um, not that I can think <laughs> right, of right now. Fair. Not about the game. Um, okay. I'm, we almost... Another, I guess I'm, I'm like trying to think of if there's any like fun trivia about the game that I didn't already mention. Uh, we almost didn't have voice acting because it just got in so late. And then when we got it, it was like, oh, we like really don't have like as much variety as we had hoped for. Um, but it turned out that like uh, a lot of the stuff that the had been lumped together where it had been like, oh, if you have like a, a sigh, it picks from one of these like five sigh sounds. But then I, like, actually I went through and listened to them. I'm like, no, these five sighs all convey different emotions. We need them as five separate sighs that we can choose from. And that, that actually gave us like the variety we needed to actually put them in. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's a game. I made it. It's out. Um, and people seem to like it and like other, other than, you know, it being like an incredibly financially successful, there's like not really much more I could ask for. Yeah. You gotta, um, pay Connor back his like 0.0002%. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We do. We gotta give Connor his dues. And, um, I mean... No, I probably like it's, you know, because we are, you know, a published game, we also are, you know, we share with our publisher. So mm -hmm. we, we, in order for like us to be financially successful, we actually have to sell a pretty large number of copies. Yeah. Um, but as I say, you know, we still have console releases coming and localization and the game is, the game is, you know, as of today, people are still occasionally streaming it on Twitch. So. It's not dead yet. Yeah. Especially given, like, the internet timeline where two days is an eternity. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I'm glad that we, like, I'm glad that that it was completed and that we got to play it. Like, because you've been yeah, talking I'm glad you guys got like to play it, too. Yeah, we'll, we we'll, tweet, we'll tweet at least uh, at least Kelso's horse picture and uh, oh, Carl, if he, Carl if he lets us. Yeah, I could tweet your your uh, horse if you want, Carl. 
or you could tweet your own horse. It, it's pretty beautiful. I mean, I love it. People can't yes, judge between yeah. our horses side by side. <laughs> um, yeah, if you are if you are listening to this and you have played Wintermore and have drawn a horse, uh, tweet it at Wintermore TC because we've been collecting people's horses and tweeting them, and uh, we love to see people's horse drawings. Yeah. Do not uniting the world with horses. Do not do not tweet us a, your picture of a penis that you drew for a horse because this is a this is a family friendly game and we will not be able to retweet that. Yeah, that's true. Um, but as long as it's family friendly, no matter how bad you think it is, <laughs> tweet it to us. We love to see them. Oh, yeah. Um. All right. Shall we talk about what we're doing next? Yep. What we're doing next. So this is episode 98. We are coming up on 100 episodes. So for the next 100 centennial. Yeah, that's 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 so many episodes. Um, and and over a hundred games because sometimes Sen- we doubled up our our cent episode. Yeah. Uh, so for the next two episodes, we um for the past couple months have been basically putting together a list of our favorite games that we've played for the podcast in a variety of categories. And I wish I hadn't uh closed. My, I I have it if my, you want me okay. to read. Yeah, I was gonna say I should I should have this up so that I can read them. Yeah, um, so we're yeah we're um we're gonna do this for two episodes. So we're gonna have like one set of categories for the first episode and one set for the second episode. Um, so for the for the first episode for next time's episode, uh, our categories are, include uh, best art, best atmosphere, best music, best narrative, uh, most replayable. Um, I'm not gonna read this category because I suspect we may end up skipping it. Um, yeah, uh, most emotionally affecting, most memorable character, best villain, best individual moment, best narrator, best humor, scariest, uh, best mystery, most confounding, uh, and most innovative. Uh, and we are going to, uh, we're going to like rank them. We've, we've, we've uh, already um, nominated a bunch of games for each category. Uh, and we will um, we will be voting on them over the next few weeks, and then we will be talking about uh, what we thought uh, in the meantime. So if you have strong like opinions on the games we've played and you would like to advocate for one of them, feel free to message us on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. And um, yeah, this is going to be the next two episodes. So we've got like a two-episode retrospective. So no games for the next like month or so. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, we've played so many games. It's fine. We can. But we you can know what? We've we've done we've done a hundred <laughs> dang episodes, or we'll have by the next two. Uh, and we actually have done a hundred dang episodes because we have at yeah, least have. two that were cut because yeah, we, we lost them. Um, yeah. So, you know, we've we've earned some time to be very navel gazing and self reflective, and just like look back on kind of how we got here. Yeah. Um, and we're excited to do so. I'm excited to like reminisce about some of these. Yeah, it's been it's been like five years that we've been doing this, also. Yeah, which is a uh, while. Pretty nuts. Oh, so, yeah. 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 So, like, tell us about tell us about you know the game. Go look at our you know SoundCloud page or wherever you get your podcast. Look at our all our old episodes and like 
if you have fond memories about some of the games we played, either from the podcast or just from playing it on your own, like share them with us and we'll, you know, we can share them on the, the podcast and talk about, yeah, you know, how we felt about the games. To have little uh, extra perspectives. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're, we can't guarantee that we will do 100% of those categories. If we feel that, like, we don't have a strong consensus on a category, we might cut it. Yeah. Um, there's at least one where, like, I have to, we have to decide if it's too mean as a category to have it. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah no i mean we want to we want to hear from people and we want to hear about like what you thought from the game or thought about the game so um kelso how can they tweet us or otherwise reach us if they want to you can find the feedback force twitter on twitter big surprise uh at feedback force hmm. or and, uh, on discord oh yeah on disc yeah um uh, there's a link in the twitter yeah that um feedback force pod chat and come uh, come talk about in in our current game chat channel in the the feedback force discord you can come chat with us we're there hanging out because yeah i i didn't put the invite link in uh the actual like in the bio section of the twitter account because then i would have to change it every time the link expires (laughs) uh but there is a link it's in it's you know in our feed. I'll retweet it here. I think also. there is a there is a lever that you can pull that makes it not uh, expire after a day. Yeah, so no, I've got it set. Link. Yeah, I've got it set for like not a permanent link, but for like I don't know something like fifty people just to see <laughs> who would join. And so far, like, yeah, be one have... of the first fifty people to join yeah. our Discord. Yeah, and you too can have the the special privilege of being in the first group. Look, it's been open for like two, actually, it's been open for like three weeks now. And the only person who has joined besides Connor, who was just in the Discord because he recorded with us last time, is Thanarod. So, <laughs> I think uh, joined? I didn't even notice. Yeah, he has joined. Good, good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, join our Discord and uh, we can all uh, have a little, a little chit chat about the games. And yeah. also, it'll be easier for us to like rope people into. Uh, being on episodes because you're already here yep. so and you also know. if you uh you can probably pretty easily um like cajole us into telling you who's nominated for any given category um, yeah if you come bother us about it so if you're yeah. curious do that too and in the future it will be super easier for you to say hey guys i really like x game you should uh maybe consider an episode on it oh yeah we have a whole suggest a game channel for you to suggest games yeah Oh yeah, I did put that as a. I put that as a category. I already thought of that. Good job. Just is on top of it. <laughs> yeah, I did. I, yeah, I did it like. Kind of what like it was like. We should just open up the Discord. So I spent you know, thirty minutes frenziedly updating permissions and adding categories and I forgot what I did. But that was one of the things I did. Yeah. Um, where were we? We were doing plugs. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kelso Time Bomb. That's the other plug that I usually do. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Kyla underscore go. Um, or you can find the Wintermore Twitter at Wintermore TC. And you can buy Wintermore on Steam now. Go to Steam and search for Wintermore Tactics Club. There's no E at the end of Wintermore. Uh, and you can buy our game and play it because it's great. Yeah, you too can draw a horse. It's true. 
And you can read all the like yeah. individual jokes and writing that we didn't get to in this very long summary yeah. of the game. Yeah, there's a whole lot of writing. So we spoiled the game, but we didn't spoil all of the jokes. Yep, it's true. And really, who, who cares about the plot? It's about the jokes. No, that's <laughs> not true. Um, it's about the money. <laughs> yeah, buy the game. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. You can get it on Steam or GOG or any number. Or there's a number of other smaller retailers. Not on Epic at the moment. Um, but there are there are a bunch of places you can get it. And uh, coming soon to other languages and consoles whenever that pipeline gets unblocked because of COVID stuff. Yeah, you know. Who knows? Yep. All right. Who knows? Yeah. And you can follow my Twitter at GOG3. And, uh, yeah, tune in again to figure out, uh, to have us, like, arbitrarily rank games at you. The internet yeah. likes when people arbitrarily rank things. So we're going to be yeah. arbitrarily ranking something. I love arbitrarily <laughs> yeah. ranking So there you stuff. go. You'll get to enjoy that. We've got a lot of stuff to arbitrarily rank. We've got a lot of categories. We do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that's the next two weeks. Get Get at us. Tell us about your games that you like, friends. Um, and thanks for listening. We'll be here again later. I don't know what I was going to say. Uh, sorry. No, I fine. ruined the outro. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.